0: If you head on over to maritimeknife and use the code kiln, you can save yourself $100 on an even heat or Paragon kiln. That was maritimeknife Now on to the show.
1: Good day, eh? Good day. Good day, eh? and welcome to another episode of Foresight Chat, a podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing, and everything in between, with a heavy focus on talent in the great white north.
0: Canada, hey? I was gonna, we, we talked about changing it up. What happened, man? Forgot to talk again. We it's got, been like a um, week of us not even talking to each other, more than a week. What's going on here? It's
1: been, it's been, it's been bonkers. I've had lots of stuff to do. None
0: of it any fun. <laughs> so, oh, that sucks. I've had some fun at least. There's, I've been busy as snot too, but I've been having fun. So there's that. That's uh, that's Nick Verbray talking to you, and I'm Lando Novak. Uh, Nick Verbrae is of Old Soldier Toolworks on Instagram, and you can find me at Abstract Blastsmith. Today we've got Jesse Lambert joining us from JD Knives and Custom Works out of Fort Saint John, British Columbia. Jesse's been dabbling with this whole game for about 25 years now and he's uh, pretty much specializing in making some really nice knives. If you uh, head over to his uh, website.
2: It pretty much serves as a gallery at this point just because of the nature of our custom ordering Uh, but jdknives.ca Nice.
0: That's a beautiful website name. I like that. Cool. You uh, You were saying that you kind of you've been doing this for 25 years, but you went professional not that long ago. Like exactly how long ago did you go uh full-time professional in this? Seven years. Seven years. Nice. What was the,
1: uh, took quite a bit of time.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Actually, it's... I started doing this in more of a, uh, focused capacity in 2009. Um, but I kind of, you know, put everything and all the eggs into the the one basket in um, um, 2016.
0: Hmm. What was the driving force behind that?
2: 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 2016 was the driving force. I don't know if you guys recall the the financial crisis of that year, but, uh, you know, uh, because of job, uh, essentially job loss, uh, due to financial meltdown, uh, especially up here in Fort St. John, uh, we're, we're primarily an oil and gas based uh, town. Ah. Yeah. And so when oil fell through the floor there, um, things dried up pretty quick. And uh, yeah, there was projects here that were 52 homes. Uh, all the plumbing was in the ground. Electrical was all run. They folded up shop overnight. So I actually have a background in carpentry.
0: Oh, is that what you were doing before? Was uh, building houses, and when the boom kind of went down? Yeah,
2: yeah. So uh, when when all that kind of crapped out there, um, I opened up a shop and started doing uh, little odd jobs, furniture stuff like that, and uh, found more time to, to to put towards knife making, which, um, like you said, I've been doing the last twenty five years, just kind of on the side and uh i found more time to put towards it so i started making furniture knives and people bought the knives and i guess i'm a really crafty furniture maker because they bought more knives than furniture
0: yeah you know what man i i i think there's just a bigger demand for the knives from a custom maker versus furniture from a custom maker people prefer to buy their cus- or their furniture from a from a store and get that same couch mm. that everybody else has for whatever reason instead of getting something custom made right i yeah, guess it's, which is I, a shame it is yeah
2: i tend to i tend to think that both are kind of a niche market and it's the equivalent of rolling dice down the crap stable i mean you can have a world class furniture maker um that custom makes pieces and they could be, you know, severely busy, um, just the same as you can a knife maker. And I mean, you, you know, people are free to disagree with me, but I think both being niche markets, I think both are equally as hard to get into. Um, and of course, this was before Forged and Fire too, that I really was getting into this. So when Forged and Fire really hit its stride in the early, um, years of the show, um, that definitely helped the, the knife making along
1: so
0: right for sure for sure well yeah,
1: yeah it it did certainly kind of bring in a new audience into custom knives
0: i think yeah and
2: i think what it did was br- it brought in education right um Absolutely. because because i i was selling knives when i was charging you know 200 bucks for something uh that's probably was probably worth three times that and people People really didn't understand. They kind of scoffed at the price. Um, You know, like, how could you charge that much for a knife? And and again, it's a third of the price that they are now. Um But it, when that show really got its, you know, the peak of popularity, uh, it's almost like people now, they started to pretend to understand. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I know that's that for that reason. Because, uh, you know, I seen a guy do it in three hours, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely did help education-wise in that regard.
0: Yeah. No. Um With the regard, though, to the fact that you started like 25 years ago, there obviously was something in you that, you know, you had a, a, a want for this, would, like the Forge and Fire didn't exist back then, 25 years ago. You know, making knives at home wasn't really a big thing or whatever. What where did you kind of how did you gravitate towards making knives twenty five years ago, dude? How old were you uh, when you at that point?
2: Yeah, so I was about twelve or thirteen years old. And um I've always I always like sharp stuff. I always love knives. Um if I was putting pen to paper for any reason, like most kids. I drew spears and knives and and stuff that was
0: sharp. And um, wait, you mean penises wasn't the normal thing to draw? No, no, I can say it wasn't. No,
2: Nick, um,
1: yeah, Lando was Lando was one of those. Cause I was a sharp and pointy guy. I I didn't do penises. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, huh. But uh, so uh, you know, along the way in that journey, I just kind of always liked sharp stuff. But would really uh, would really cement or or put the two together of actually going beyond pen and paper was uh, uh up at my grandfather's um so every summer we would come up and spend the summer at my grandparents' place so i grew up down in the okanagan southern okanagan down in southern bc here where it's um uh, it's nothing but sunshine and beaches you know what i mean mm-hmm. the comes around it's it's all about growing your hair long and you know the really california lifestyle right like work hard work was really not um what filled your days uh down there it was more sun tanning and you know if you had to rake a lawn here and there to, to get some uh dollars to go to the candy store then that's what you did but other than that it was pretty it was pretty laid back so uh when we went up to my grandfather's it was like my grandfather had he had a 75 acre parcel of land it was all treed um He had a two story, 5,600 square foot house that ran on wood heat. Uh, so in the (laughs) summer, in the summertime, it was all about getting wood and it was all about, you know, if he, he took a five acres of land, he cleared the trees and it was up to us kids to clear all the rocks out of there so that he could grow a lawn. Um, so if there was uh, anything to be done, it was done with uh, elbow grease and, and the, the muscles in our backs. Um, so, so that's what our summers were filled. But more importantly than that, uh, when it came to any kind of dangerous work, uh, my grandfather was very quick. For example, when it came to running a chainsaw, um, I was I, about 10 years old when, you know, he, he kind of gave me a crash course on the safety and uh, made sure he was confident that I could do it without chopping any limbs off. And he put us on my hand and he says, this is how you do it. Now go do it. Uh, whereas growing up down in the Okanagan, it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? It was very like, oh, don't do anything that might hurt you kind of stuff. Right. So um, that kind of paints the picture of how it was uh, up at my grandfather's. And, and um, one of the things that he allowed us to do was go into his workshop and he had a a bench grinder, an eight inch bench grinder nothing nothing fancy about it at all, but we were allowed to use it and um I remember putting we had two rules we had to have gloves, and we had to have uh safety glasses other than that, we could do whatever whatever we wanted and um I remember watching a bolt i I took a bolt, put it in a pair of vice grips, and I just fed it to the grinder, and I watched that grinder eat that bolt away to nothing, just turn it into sparks. And, uh, I was, a, I was probably 10 years old at the time. And I remember just, just absolutely blowing my mind because up until that point, steel for me was a very cold, immovable, almost invincible, uh, material that, um, you know what I mean? It, it cut, it hurt. It, it was immovable. There's nothing you could do to it. And I, I just right. made it disappear. And, uh, that's when it, that's when it really
0: opened up a, a, a new world for me. That's pretty rad, dude. That's cool. Very cool. It, it make, Taking me back to my childhood, remembering when I started playing with different stuff in the shed and whatnot and being mischievous. And I, I didn't really have guidance. I didn't have anybody telling me to wear safety glasses or do this or don't do that. It was just kind of like, oh, I found a drill. How does How does this work? And I just started playing with it and figured it out. Oh man, good old childhood.
2: I, I think that, 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 that mechanism of, of just figure it out or make mistakes and be happy and okay. You have to be, I believe, in a world where it's okay to make mistakes, right? It, whether, whether it's you being mischievous in a shed or, or me with enough guidance to at least put some safety glasses on, um, I, either one is really going to have an outcome of having to make a mistake learn from that mistake and move on. Uh, so I think, I think the biggest thing is, and I think you'll hear this story repeat itself over and over again with the people who are in, in our, uh, our craft is that a lot of screw ups, a lot of, a lot of mistakes, a lot of mess ups, but it's the ones who, oh, perse- hell yeah. right? Right. It's the ones who persevere yeah. and keep going that are here to talk about it today, because for every one uh of us that have hit our thumb with a hammer and kept going there are 10 who have walked away
0: yep yep no that's so, for sure man
2: so i think i think it requires a different breed and and uh you know after all the spectacle of of all of it's gone you're gonna have uh the ones who stuck around at the cream of the crop if you will
0: you're heading home again, That are just man. the stubborn ones. <laughs> Making me think of my childhood again. When I was yeah. a kid, I gave up on uh, – well, this is kind of embarrassing to say, but I was actually in figure skating as a kid, uh, as a little kid. My mom thought it was better for me to be in figure skating. I remember falling and hurting my ass and being like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Number one, I didn't want to do it in the first place, but that was kind of my out. But Yeah. Uh, I look back on that. My brother actually got into figure skating – He's five years younger than me, and he ended up freaking going to nationals and shit, man. He was like really good. uh, Oh, cool.
2: Hey, I was I was in wrestling, and you have to wear those uh, those unitards when you're singlets. Singlets, yeah. So (laughs) they gave it a fancy name, a singlet, when it really it's a unitard. (laughs) So. so, uh, we all have those things, but hey, at least uh, at least your brother gets to uh, dance around on ice with some uh,
0: hot checks, right? So he sure did. That's for sure, man. That was right. part of the uh, figure skating that he gravitated towards was the dance seg- segment area or whatever. And yep, yep, no, he uh <laughs> He had some good times there for sure. I'd, I'd imagine. Oh uh, boy. So, uh, I just want
2: to, i you know, I'll finish off kind of where, uh, the gravitation towards the knife thing came from, uh, just because it, and then after that, if you guys don't mind, I just, uh, because I've, this is my first time actually meeting you, I'd like to turn the tables on you and, and have the interviewers interviewed. If that's Holy all right. frick.
3: <laughs> oh, let's yeah, do it. We're game.
2: Right, oh. cool, Holy cool. shit. So, uh, my grandfather's, the, that background actually goes a little deeper into the knife making than, than just the disappearing of the bolt. Um, I did start messing around with steel. I actually first started making shurikens and, uh, some other, some other stuff just out of, just out of plate steel, right? And mm-hmm. that naturally progressed to me making, um, a tanto. Now, so my, my grandfather, my grandfather was actually an Irishman um i my grandmother is native my mom's native my father was native um but i do have some irish blood in me from my grandfather who was 100 irish i mean six foot four he lived by his fists you know what i mean he knew how to work he knew how to fight he knew how to drink even harder um so i mean he was a he was a hard man and he was uh you know he basically grew up on his own since he was 16 uh out in the bush living by the sweat of his brow. He's real, the boy named Sue kind of, kind of story, right? Like, if I'm not gonna, gonna be around, at least I'll give you that awful name, uh, so that you'll be tough and you can survive. And that's very much how my grandfather was. He, he grew up to be tough. And, uh, he, I mean, he didn't take no guff from nobody. We, Dude. we, I was one, I love, so somebody. Love that. I, somebody told me a story, his name is Tyler, but he told me a story where he was out at the bar, the local, the local watering hole here in Fort St. John, which is called the Condell, which has a reputation of its own. Um, and there was a bar fight, which my grandfather had started. <laughs> I mean, he's 72 at this, at this time, right? <laughs> oh, shit. Um,
1: 72 year old starting fights. It's amazing.
2: Oh, oh man. So anyways, there's this young guy, 20 something years old, and, uh, the cops split up the bar fight. And this, now, mind you, this is Tyler, uh, my buddy Tyler, telling me the story, who was witness to it. And uh, he's, he was just telling me how enamored he was with this old man, just like, just causing trouble, man. So anyways, uh, this 20 something year old who was also part of it, got into his car and felt brave enough at that point to flip my grandfather the bird through a rolled-up window. Um, and Tyler's like, man, I, I, you know, I'd be dead if I was lying. Your grandfather balled up his fist, and knocked out that guy right through that car window. Like it was <laughs> nothing, just shattered the window and just tuck him out. Right. Yes. So,
3: like, but,
2: so, so this was my grandfather. Right. And, and part of that too, at, at the home life was, uh, uh, same, same kind of thing, get tough or die. Right. Like, uh, we lived on a, if you don't work, you don't eat kind of thing. It was it was, it was real world brass tacks. And, uh, you know, if, if you ever tried to get a pat on the back or an attaboy, I mean, you, you weren't going to get it. You know what I mean? You may as well, you may as well go and, and, and talk to a counselor or something if you're looking for some, some Patty Joe, as my grandfather put it. But anyways, so <laughs> I'm making this knife and, um, you know, he had his own ways of encouragement, which I mean, you had to be a, you had to, be able to cipher the Navajo language in order to be able to pick up on anything. If he was trying to encourage you at all, which he just didn't do, but his forms of encouragement came in. Like the day that I, I put in an interest for carpentry. Um, he came along uh, with a truck full of uh, carpenters tools. He never said, Hey, I'm proud of you for going into carpentry. It's good. You're going after a trade. da. None of that stuff, but he outfitted his shop with the entire uh, brand new tools, right? And I'll be, you yeah. I know, I, I get choked up just thinking about it. No but kidding, right? That that was his that was his way of doing things. So I remember the the day I made that that tanto, um, and I was still kind of just just farting around at this point, right? He uh, I overheard him talking to his friends, and he had a real real gruff voice. He always talked always talk like this, eh? And he'd say, I remember him talking to his friends. And now, I mean, he couldn't talk quiet. He couldn't speak quietly. It's just, it's just one of, everybody's like, John, why are you always yelling? He's, I'm not God.
3: <laughs> just the way he
2: talked. But I remember him talking to it, and he says, you know, that, that knife that Jesse made, that thing sure is handy, right? And uh, man, I remember that just hit me right in my soul. And, uh, you know, that, that, uh, conniving old bugger, he knew I could hear him. He knew I could hear him. <laughs> You know what i mean I mean he mm-hmm. he wasn't he wasn't stupid by any by any means the man had a grade seven education I saw him m- make fools out of university um doctorates you know what I mean like he was well read he was he was the smartest man I knew he was wise he knew I could hear him um and that that resonated with my soul and uh he 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 taught me that uh, work ethic and then he gave me that that encouragement when I was young and actually j d knives um this is why i felt so um obligated to tell the whole story because jd knives is actually named after him
0: there you go nice oh wow that's beautiful yeah, so, dude
2: so so john danahay uh was his name and uh, that's why it's jd knives
0: good for you man that's
2: yeah. that's beautiful Great. yeah right on man that's awesome so now i've told my story lando abstract blacksmith
0: why why is it abstract blacksmith? Or why, why am name? I doing
2: it? Why the name?
0: Uh, honestly, the so I made a little art piece one year, and uh, like I had, I took welding like seventeen, eighteen years ago, something like that. And I w- during school thought making art pieces was like what I wanted to do. I didn't even know about blacksmithing then. I learned a little bit of like doing twists and stuff like that in school, and we played with oxyacetylene welding, so I knew how to. And I knew the torch real good and I knew my I learned how to use a grinder real well in welding school right so I, uh, I had uh had gravitations towards playing with those things quite a bit during school and then, then I started diving into the scrap bucket near the end of the uh, end of the year and started making st- stuff and was like oh man this is this is awesome this is what I want to do for a living I want to make art pieces and everybody was like were you talking about like can make a living with with this garbage, like who do you think you are? It's like, oh no, no, no. This is what I want to do. And after enough discouragement from people, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'm like just do a normal job. And I I kept on working. And eventually I made this one art piece that somebody um thought was pretty cool. And it was that was my uh father-in-law. And uh he thought it was really cool and wanted me to Put it into. Uh, they do, they were doing a gala every year. They still do it. Um, my father-in-law's passed away now, but it, his uh, wife still does the gala. And at the gala, they ask for donations that they auction off. And he was like, "You need to put this in the in the auction, and uh, you know, I I think it'll do really good." And and then he was like, "You need to come up with a story as to like what it is and what inspired you to make it. Every artist has to have that story for their art piece."
2: I was just about to ask that. Like, what was
0: the the background on this piece? Honestly, dude, found some scrap metal pieces, thought they looked cool on there, threw them together, and I was like, yep, that's cool. I like it. And then I was like,
3: let's make it
0: jazzy. So I added bright colors to it, and I was like, yep, that's, that's abstract in the way that it's, like, futuristic, and it's kind of like it's kind of like those paintings that you see that people do with like the weird shapes and stuff on it. So you
2: purposely made it abstract or you just kind of threw it together until it looked good.
0: Did yeah, you- I pretty much threw it together until it looked appeasing to my eye. And all it was, was it, it was a, a triangle with some, for whatever reason there was like, I don't know, probably 316 steel slivers that were like, in spirals and stuff like that and they were just, there was a bunch of random pieces like that in the scrap and then I grabbed a bunch of them and tack welded them to the face sticking off the face and painted the triangle black and painted all the little pieces different colors and I was like yeah that's, that looks really cool I'm gonna um... oh what the heck was I gonna oh so is that still kind of what you stick to
2: ornamental abstract stuff and while you're talking I'm gonna go grab something
3: uh
0: no, I don't really know what I gravitate towards anymore, man. Honestly, I don't have a a, a certain pull in any you sort of direction.
1: Some, you you still do some pretty awesome sculptural and artistic
0: work. Yeah, but I, it's not necessarily what I'm gravitating towards. I'm just... Learning, learning the skills, man, and building what, whatever comes, comes and doing, you know, if somebody wants me to make something, then I, I dive towards making what it is that somebody might be looking for me to make. And, you know, there's, there's certain things that I want to make for myself. So I'm, I'm working towards making those, those items. Like I want to build yeah. that arbor and, uh, that's going to be a shit ton of work to ever get that to the point where I want it to be. So.
2: So, how has this podcast affected your uh, your craft, if if at all? Oh, dude, dude! Like have, it, you learned, it, have you Has it changed the direction at all, or or is it still, or has it kind of come into to uh, bolster it?
0: It's it's absolutely shaped me one like so much, man. It's it's changed my game big time, man. Having not only doing this podcast, but by listening to all the other podcasts that I listen to, um but man, it's, it's my education. Like, you know, my, I was talking to my wife about this the other night. She says that maybe, maybe you need to spend a little bit less time with the podcast. You're, you're always doing it. And that's a lot of time. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's the editing side of it that ends up consuming the majority of time. And I need to fricking figure out a way to quick stream that. But.
2: And you know, uh, you said, you said a word right there that I was just about to use consume and you use it in a different way, of course, meaning how much it takes away from, from you. But uh, the way I was going to use it is the amount of knowledge that what you're doing is you're consuming.
0: Oh, you fuck. Yeah.
2: I mean, you're just, you're, 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 it's like, you're, it's like, you're hungry for this yep. kind of stuff and you can kind of sense it in you. Anyways, I want to show you this real quick that I grabbed. I've had these for about uh I'd say almost a year and a half. And they're all it is, is these big long coils that came yeah. off my lathe yeah and it's uh it's got a nice heat blue on it but it's it's a consistent and i've i i've never been able to bring myself to throw these away because it's like i want to use them for something
0: <laughs> Dude, this, tell me that's not just me this <laughs> is the bane of being an artistic person you get you'll yeah. get to the point where it's it's hard to throw anything like dude i've got a bucket full of old rusty wrenches and there's some scissors in there and some other some screwdrivers and stuff it's just the majority of it's garbage and i was gonna take it to the scrap bin i was like ah you know what maybe i'll make one of those silly art pieces of wrenches and stuff like that one day
2: one day it'll come in
0: handy right one day yeah yeah that's well it's my grandpa, that's my grandpa's teaching, dude. I remember my grandpa taking me to the fricking um, local dump back home. There, You could just go in there and there was all sorts of stuff, cars and whatnot. And it's like, it's time to go treasure hunting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you guys back the table here, but Nick, I just kind of wanted to know about you. What's your last name?
1: My last name is Verbre.
2: Verbre. That is yeah. probably easily Dutch. one one of the coolest names I've heard. Sorry, uh, Land- <laughs> oh, sorry, thanks. Lando. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take off. Yeah, <laughs> Ver- Verbre. It sounds like you're gonna rip out my spine here. <laughs> yeah, Predator style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you could familiarize me with what 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 you do,
1: so I'm actually a. Uh, toolmaker. I make custom woodworking tools. Oh, cool. Yep. Uh, yeah, I've been doing woodworking since I was a little small kid, right? Like, I was thinking back on it. And I started to learn how to use stuff like table saws back when I was like eight. Yep. Which is like the age my son's at now, and I'm just like, oh, good God. I got to <laughs> like your table saw at this age? Um, but yeah, my dad ran at uh, yeah. Yeah, some point soon. Uh, Yeah, but my dad ran uh, a small woodworking shop, and I spent all of my evenings and weekends as a kid helping him and learning how to do a lot of the woodworking stuff. Uh, He ended up quitting doing that because he developed asthma, and he switched over to doing metalwork. So I learned about machining and stuff like that, and at one point, my dad needed to make a a big, severe bend in a piece of metal, so uh, built a forge, borrowed an anvil, and he did his project, and I got a little chance to, you know, play around with it. And he gave all the stuff back, sold off his forge, but I was hooked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, after uh, a couple of months of constantly melting the dampers in his wood stove from building really hot <laughs> fires in there, yeah, uh, he found me a little uh, rivet forge and gave me a spot out back and said, get the hell out of my shop. You want to work, go work over there. Go buy yourself an anvil. And, uh, yeah, it just ended up being that, that my kind of knowledge blend between knowing woodworking, knowing blacksmithing, and knowing machining means that I fell very naturally into making woodworking tools. Got to have, you know, nice straight lines, good heat treat, got to know the function of the tool and how it needs to work. So it all just kind of lined up for me
2: you you know it's it's kind of uh uh nice to to be talking to somebody who who's familiar with both because I'm quite familiar with with both and one of the things that I found going between the two was that I lost I lost trust for wood I lost the trust for it but I grew in love with it even more so because once I had learned steel and the tight tolerances that you were able to retain in steel and then you go to wood and it's like, okay, I'm gonna make That's all goes
1: wood- out the window.
2: Ten thousands <laughs> in the woods like, Oh no, you're not. <laughs> yeah.
1: You can make something, you know, to within 10 thou, but then you breathe on it and it's not intolerance anymore.
2: That's the thing. You 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 finish the last quarter inch of a cut and it turns into a banana, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I and I still that. love doing my little bits of woodworking, but uh and I am mostly focused on making the tools now.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's that's why I say though with the love of wood because it's more of a relationship more than a, than an agreement, you know what I mean? With metal you have an agreement. It's like I want you to do this and metal's like, "Yes sir, no problem, I'll get to it," right? Wood, wood is like, uh I don't know, you're going to have to you're going to have to, you know. Oh,
1: come on, you can't tell me you've never had a fight with a piece of metal. I mean, I will show you something I just finished. There's characteristic demonstration of this.
0: Yeah, but this—that's that—that didn't happen because you—you you told the metal to do that, essentially.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. I wasn't yeah. having a great day. So, anyways, I made this this lovely draw knife with these, you know, coca handles and it's all forged. And then you see here where there's a weld. Oh yeah, oh, you've you got it welded. Uh, nice. Yeah, uh, I got my dad to TIG weld it together because I didn't have time to sit around and wait for him to have his TIG table out. Um, but, yeah, so today I just put the handles on it, gave it a final sharpen. It, looks and good. it works beautifully. It's going to be mine now because there's no way I'm sending out something with a TIG weld on one corner. Ooh. But uh, What's the steel? That's actually a recycled railway track clip. Oh, nice. I use one of those. Yeah, devices. I started on a new one for the customer in 01. Nice. Yeah,
2: but but I mean, the steel does, it does what you tell it to, right? That that's kind of the the point I'm getting at. Sometimes we could wrestle with it because we don't we can't put in the proper the the coding, if you will. But right. I think if you put yeah. in zeros and ones on on the money, then it'll it'll always come back and never do you wrong. That's what I right. Thinking. Whereas wood
1: definitely it. has a mind of its own.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder. So, you, have you heard of Chat GPT? Is that what it's called? Uh, I think. It's, oh,
2: is that that AI thing?
0: Yeah. So apparently, you can like. It was originated as a programming device, so you could ask it to write you a program, and it knows a whole walkload of different programming languages, mm-hmm. but. I'm, you nowadays you can ask it to do almost anything and it'll spit out a bunch of information for you so i wonder if you were to like if you had a, say a blacksmithing sculpture project in mind and you couldn't fathom the way to properly shape it if you could input that into chat into that chat program and be like could you explain the process in blacksmithing terms for me to develop this shape and i wonder if it would actually I have think that it would- knowledge
1: I think it would need an awful lot of, of input data to be able to come up with something like that. Because well, remember, the way those work is typically they're drawing off a really big data set to be able to get the AI to do these individual things. So you'd have to have an AI that has got like essentially like a physics engine in it that's all set up that it understands what blacksmiths do. I,
0: well, I don't I mean, know that I wonder it's quite if it's like that I wonder moment. if it's at yeah I wonder if it's at that point is what I'm thinking is if it has that those physics c- capabilities to design something to that extent essentially that'd be pretty you could like essentially ask it to explain to you how to build a fucking rocket ship It'd
3: i would be pretty fucking I, cool
2: I think with the amount of knowledge that we can draw from ourselves um just from you know like I, Iron and some of the forums out there and and a lot of the Podcast. heat treat, you know, heat treat nerds and that kind of stuff. Podcast. Um, <laughs> I I think it'd have no problem because I think it is a very cold cut. And um, you, you know, one thing not to wax too philosophical, but one thing that I have, uh, discovered working with steel as a as a bladesmith or or, or blacksmith, or, you know, if you care to delineate the two, um, is that I always I always saw Steel is something that, uh, it, again, going back, it was like it was like discovering a new level of steel. Um, whereas before, I realized it wasn't it wasn't invincible because of, I made the bolt disappear into the grinder. Working with it, I started discovering that it had a nature of its own. Like it wasn't just a cold, hard material, uh, lifeless material. Like we have to right. remember that Like iron, iron's a mineral. Iron, we need iron to live for crying out loud. You know what I mean? But, but so are all the other alloying elements that go in to mix with iron to make it a steel. Mm -hmm. And like, if you give iron, in the case of iron pyrite, long enough, it will actually overtake and take on the form of any organic material. I mean, there's, there's pyritic trilobites out there. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's so funny. Like, it be, only because it moves a million times slower than we do, we mm-hmm. think of it as a lifeless material, but it's right. not. It has a life. You know what I mean? It turns into a dendritic structure if if quenched from an ostentatic phase. You know what I mean? So, like, it it has a Holy nature shit. to it. And Listen so, to this guy. And so if, if it has a nature, what is that nature? And when we discover, like, you, you look at any kid, any trouble kid in, in school, and what's the number one thing? What did Einstein say about uh, standardized testing? It's like it's like uh getting a goldfish to climb a tree, you know what I mean? Of course it's gonna fail. So you any troubled child in school uh who's typically acting out is typically very intelligent and brilliant, but you only ever uh discover that when you actually go to discover the nature of that child. And so only then can they succeed. It's the same as steel, it's the same as anything, it's a principle. That ties into humanistic principles all the, all over the place. You know what I mean? So How come you are so smart, man? When you just, I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> and just
2: uh, stuff that's in this. Gotta get it out. You're, you'll be dude, like, oh no, shut it down,
0: spill shut the beans. No, dude, I'm loving this, man. I'm love. I'm so on board with everything you're saying, man. But but
2: point is though, is once I discovered that the nat- that steel in fact has a nature to it it was really easy to i don't want to use the word manipulate but utilize
3: mm-hmm. that,
2: that nature in such a way whereas you can properly code it now you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i and on one hand i speak of steel like this 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 you tell it what to do and it'll do it um but i think that really to um, to to really uh detail or flesh that out uh we have to um, we have to realize that it has a nature and work within that nature in order to get the best out of what it, is, what it has to offer.
0: Oh, fuck yeah. Dude, okay, I got to interject a little bit here because so I don't make knives and there's a reason I don't make knives because I believe that me personally, I don't understand knives yet. I don't understand them enough for me to feel... Hell with that, Lando.
1: You made a knife, you sold a knife. You're a bladesmith. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But... I was listening to Gary Vee the, the other day and one of his like rules, his ma- of his mantras of business is I don't do things I don't understand. There's a reason I'm successful. The things that I dive into, the things that I gravitate towards are things I understand. Because if you understand how it works, then you have the ability to to essentially manipulate it as as per se. Uh, you have the ability to control it, to make it do what you want it to do, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah and that's that's just the idea of this steel and stuff like that it goes goes into so much more like if you want to dive into something and just you know test the waters and find out what it is by all means that's where you're going to be at with it you're going to be testing those waters and finding the finding out the the rough patches those those little waves are going to hit you hard at first right but if you understand how those little waves are going to hit you hard first without jumping in that water first it'll make it through those little waves a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and
2: really not even the, the pitfalls of that particular um, endeavor that you're going against, but rather just that there are waves period,
1: <laughs> no
2: matter what you do. I get right? what
1: you're saying, Lando, but the only way to become a good knife maker is to make a bunch of bad knives.
2: Okay. So uh good judgment requires experience and experience typically requires bad judgment. So, Full circle right back around to the fact that you got to make mistakes. You have
0: to make mistakes. I got to do it. I won't disagree with you on that, but I think there's a level to making those mistakes and understanding them when they happen versus making those mistakes and then trying to figure out what that, what it was and, 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 diving into a knowledge base at that point to understand what that mistake was.
1: I understand that Lando, but you know what? You've got both enough experience now and enough people that you can ask to be like, Hey, what went wrong here? And how do I do it better next time that you don't really have an excuse to not just jump in and do anymore. Eh, eh. You're just, you're just, you're scared. And you need to get over that fear and just do.
2: <laughs> he's calling you out, Lando. He's calling you out. And you know what? I'm
1: You're, sorry. You know what? Your it name just is.
2: La- Lando, your name sounds like something out of Star Wars. So I feel like he's just <laughs> drawing the lightsaber on you.
0: <laughs> so, okay, I've heard, wow. I've heard three references to Lando in my life now at this point one is Star Wars, one was uh, Family Guy. And the latest was in a book that Travis Rice – I don't know if you – you probably haven't heard of Travis Rice. He's the – one of the uh, snowboarders sponsored by Red Bull and he holds – hosts this big Red Bull snowboarding event out in the backcountry with a bunch of the world's top snowboarders and super awesome snowboarding dude. And he did – anyways, whatever. He posts this thing that – there was a quote in a book that he was reading – by Lando and it's like what the fuck I sent him a message who the fuck is Lando and he hasn't gotten back to me yet probably because he thinks I'm like fucking with him but yeah. and he's a celebrity of you know a million followers I gotta,
2: so. I gotta mute my uh, microphone here I can hear you guys but I gotta I'll be in about two minutes
0: sure sure
1: um hey, do we want to just cut take a break
0: well, no, I was going to say, like, uh, I just got a, uh, a thing in the mail today, dude. So I, What's that? I got these. Can you tell what those are? Ooh, needle files. Yeah, diamond needle files, yep. Yeah. And I also got two brand new hoodies. From our oh, well, good friend. Where on
1: earth did you get those?
0: Our good friend Lawrence at maritimeknife supply.ca, my man.
1: Oh, Lawrence. Maritime Knife Supply, where you can get yourself $100 off a Paragon or even heat heat treating kiln by using the code FSC Kiln. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Look at us getting an ad read
0: in. <laughs> if, you, if you, like, when you get to check out, you put in that code it just knocks off that 100 bucks for you and and you know bobs your uncle while you're at it buy yourself a 10 pack of belts because you can save yourself 10% you get a, a 10 pack with one belt for free there so great 10 deal 10 belts
1: for the price of 9
0: great excellent deal excellent he's, and he's recently become the a distributor for uh oh I want to say it's broadback
2: So people people listening that are gonna, they're all gonna be like, "That was scripted." I know it was. It's it's always scripted. It was just perfect timing, though, the the way that I, you know, muted out right in time for the ad, the ad call.
0: Well, I mean, we (laughs) we 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 we're pretty good on that, man. We jump into the uh,
1: into the ad reads pretty good, and you know what. Except for last week, which we totally forgot and had to, like, try and do it, like, on Sunday.
0: Yeah, and you know what else we forgot last week was our song choice of the week. You got a song choice for this week?
1: Oh, crap. I totally forgot about that. Give oh, me crap. a second to think.
0: Think about it. Jesse, do you have a song choice for this week, sir? Um,
2: so I've been listening to some Zach Williams lately.
0: Zach Williams is not somebody I'm familiar with. Tommy Moore. more. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Zach Williams, uh, he was a guy who toured rock and roll, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And uh, he found himself in a pretty dark place and he decided to change his life and switch around. And uh, he's actually a Christian artist.
0: Oh, crazy. Cool. Yeah. Artist as in music artist or? Yeah, music artist. Yeah. Zach Williams?
2: Yeah, he's got some good stuff, man. He comes from a background of uh, guitar and blues, and he's got a he's got a nice. real good gravelly voice. And uh, uh, no, he's he's got some good music.
0: Awesome, awesome. I love I love the blues, dude, and and all jazz, me. and
2: I'm all blues.
0: Feel good music, man. Feel good. Yeah. Figure something out there, Grumpy uh, McGrumpy. Yeah, I-
1: yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't think I've used this one yet, but uh, it's a piece of music called the Anvils Chorus from Il Travatore by Verdi.
2: I'm pretty sure I've heard this before. They actually do an orchestra with anvils. Right.
1: Yes. Okay. It is my go-to piece of music to get people I'm teaching mm-hmm. to understand what kind of pace they should start swinging their hammer at while they're learning. Tell, tell me that it's again, the kind of thing. The, the Amble's chorus, okay. And the 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 composer's name is Verdi, Giuseppe Verdi. Okay.
0: The Zach Williams gentleman. Is there a song of his that uh, that you gravitate towards, real quick? Jory. You is there a song? I mean? a, yeah, Zach Williams is a, a song, one of his songs that. Um, what's what's the one that you like the best?
2: Oh man, that's that's uh, I, I'll have to look up his stuff. Uh, okay, in, in order to give it get
0: a, a name. Give it a go. That is not a problem. Um, man grumpy mcgrumface just uh muted his microphone there and it like got like so much quieter when he did that crazy is uh he must have his fan going in the background or something yeah i <clears throat> uh, i think i'm going to add a song from a canadian band go figure by the name of gob uh I don't know if everyone knows who Gob is, but they are a punk band from out east. Uh, I've been listening to them for a hell of a long time. I've seen them in concert a couple of times. They're a great, great band with a lot of fun. And the song that I'm going to add to the list is Soda. I'd like to jump in a lake. That's the one. I'm. Driving. That's not, That's not. That wasn't it. Right on. Yeah.
1: Is this better now that I shut my fan off? Yeah. You heard what I said. Yeah. Of course. I don't. It mutes you, me. It doesn't
0: mute you. It's a good thing I didn't say those other things I was going to say about you.
1: <laughs> there is. I was in the army for fourteen <laughs> years. There is literally nothing you can say that will hurt my feelings. You
0: have a huge penis.
1: Yeah. No. No. I am not offended, I, even when you tell <laughs> lies. <laughs> <laughs> Is
3: that would, the Zach
0: Williams song you're going for, Bud?
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm just.
1: uh...
0: I don't know what song that was, but that
1: sounded dude, like no that idea. Sounded,
0: that sounded like Black Sabbath.
3: Yeah, mm. kind of vaguely. Yeah, I don't know what it was.
2: Anyways, my my brother is a guitarist, and that was one of the licks he played. All of. that's
0: definitely Black Sabbath.
3: <laughs> I, wasn't, I
0: wasn't thinking it was Black Sabbath, but maybe it was. <laughs> if it wasn't, then it was
2: missing a few intonations, and then it kind of. You kind of like how you try and whistle a song, but it sounds like every single song ever.
0: I'm surprised that I don't get shit on for my whistling more often than I do, man. I whistle all the time, and it's like, I suck at whistling. I should not whistle. Probably the most
1: annoying motherfucker out there. No, you should do it if it makes you happy. It does.
2: For that Zach Williams, I'd have to say Rescue Story is one One of of the the top
1: ones.
3: Yeah,
0: beauty. That's getting added to our playlist that you can check out on YouTube. Um, YouTube? Yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't realize it was on YouTube.
0: Yeah, that's – so you can see the videos and stuff too. I don't – it's for me, I I don't do the Spotify thing, so.
1: That's fair enough. I barely. Yeah, breathe. I must be really messing with the vibe of that playlist <laughs> as I try to pick just like off the wall weird stuff.
0: I I've been all over the place so far. I think I don't know.
1: You guys ever get sweaty ears because <clears throat> of the headphones all the time? Oh man, my, I my beauty it. too.
2: I don't even notice it, but the second that I like move them,
0: it's like, yeah. You know? I don't like it. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. But I wear a beauty toque, so I don't have to worry about that. I got my beauty toque from uh, Country Custom Fab. Eh? Yeah, hoser. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Rachel Bonnet, our, our good friend out in Tamloops uh, of all all places. Yeah, she's gonna come back onto the show soon. Here, I think I've uh, got her lined up for a couple weeks from now. Next oh, week uh, is another. Hopefully. Young lady that's uh knife maker. I, I believe I've got her lined up. We'll see what happens because this week things went all to shit and we last minute Jesse jumped in and thank God, man, because it's like, I it was like, Hey, Jesse, last minute. I know this sucks, but you down to record tonight? He's like, yeah, man. When do you want to go? I was like, I don't know when are you ready. He's like, I'm ready right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me, uh, Hey, grumpy McGrum Let's do this.
1: Uh, okay, just wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you you definitely saved our butts on this one because otherwise it was going to be just myself and Lando talking to each other and it it, it wouldn't have been entertaining. You guys never I d- ran. It, it, it just would have been a spiral into dark places.
0: Well, it's oddly enough that you say that because I almost felt like talking to you like if this wouldn't have panned out saying, "Let's just let's talk about mental health a little bit, man," because I'm like i've been I've been having some issues lately with like feeling like my my vibe about just a lot of things, man, and I don't know like if it's that time of year, you know like I know Christmas is a tough time for a lot of people, uh the solstice, lack of light can really affect our moods and stuff like that too. I don't know if that's what's doing it to me, or what's playing with me, man, I know you're going through some. Hard times too and it's just like what's up, man. I know the world the whole world is just like struggling lately, man, because of the effects of COVID and the price of everything is going through the roof. So people are just there's a lot of stress in the world right now. I'm talking politics, aren't I?
1: Mm, you're dancing around it. Yeah. Mm. You know what?
0: You know what? What?
2: Got a joke for you? Oh, beauty! Let's do this. Right in the movie. What's error? Trudeau and the Pope walk into a bar. Oh fuck! You, you thought one of them would have seen it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Ba-dum>. <laughs>
1: oh, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I think that is just silly enough that we can leave that in. That's- <laughs>
0: fucking perfect i love it man
1: (laughs) you
3: know
0: um i i i can gravitate towards a certain gentleman on my facebook feed chris dixon he was posting dad jokes like every day for a while there and then he ended up getting getting the ban um on the facebook for for something i don't know what it was and uh See if I can find a, a dad joke from him real quick. You got anything there, Nick, a joke to brighten
3: the mood at all? Oh, God, not off the top of my head. Hmm.
2: So I don't know if you guys are too familiar with um, natives or indigenous or first peoples or whatever they're calling them, calling us nowadays. Um, but Cree, Cree natives – Something where they point with
0: their lips. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I know, grew those... up with a lot of native friends. Man. So
2: where where's the know. uh where's the story? You go over there.
0: Over there, yeah. yeah.
2: So, anyways, <clears throat> there's a couple guys golfing. Chinaman, Blackman and a Cree. And the Chinaman goes up and he swats his ball out and he goes, Oh. Anybody see where my ball go? And the Cree says, "Yeah, it's over there." And the Chinaman look at the black guy and he say, "What he say?" Black guy says, "He said it's over there." The Cree looks over and says, "See, not that far." <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that one's getting cut that one's getting cut <laughs>
0: I've heard that before that's strange. it's
1: funny but
2: it's getting cut <laughs> hey hey I'm allowed to tell native jokes I'm a 16th
0: native okay I, I think he's right man I think that's how it works
1: <laughs> pretty sure I mean yeah I think I'm I think pretty, the inclusion like, of the black man and the Chinaman
2: Like like black guys drop the air. Hey, not the that it's far okay, it's okay for them to say it, right? I didn't make the anatomy that black guys got big lips. I mean it just is what it is. <sighs> <laughs> oh, I am not politically correct. I don't know if you guys have uh have have known that yet. I think
1: Yeah, we it, kinda garnered
2: I think everybody needs to take a pretty big chill pill on that whole front. You know what I mean? Like, well, uh, we, we'll, get uh, away, we'll get away from the political stuff, but that's all I gotta say.
0: All right, no, uh, I got I got something on the same token, dude. This is some advice from our good man, Chris Dixon. If if your if your lady is upset, suggest she make a sandwich to take your, her mind off of it.
1: Be a man. <laughs> And we all wonder why Lando's got a flat spot from where his wife's been hitting him with the cast iron pan.
2: Well, I've heard it differently, Bing. though. I've heard it differently. If your wife's mad at you, buy a new gun. Your wife will still be mad at you, but at least you'll have a new gun. <laughs>
0: right. Ride that wave while you can, right?
2: Whatever, man, it's gonna happen.
0: You might as well like, get a new gun out of the deal. <laughs> at least I'm not making her mad at least I'm not making her mad when she wasn't mad. <laughs> yeah.
2: Or, or I've I've heard uh if your wife's mad at you, just go fishing. She'll still be mad at you, but at least you got to go fishing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that version as well. <laughs>
0: All right, I digress. I digress. Yeah, we're 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 jumping into. So, dude, tell me about the knife making game that you're playing. Um, yeah. you, are you buying all of your steels brand new? Are you a recycled steel guy? Where where have you been on that whole train?
2: So, I'm I'm not gonna be the guy who um, starts um, bashing those who do use recycled steel. But I don't I don't use it for a certain reason, and that's definitely because of the its previous life of- Yeah,
1: it's a gamble.
2: Yeah, so um I am very much a fan of um new ASME standard steels. What's your favorite one to go with, bud? You can't you can't really nail it
0: down to one. It all depends on the use. Okay, so let's Talk about that then, and you know, in regards to say something that's going to be uh, going out in the bush and doing some chopping, some heavy work, what's the steel you want to use for that?
2: um I would use an Aus 8 or um, a real nice, tough tool steel. So, uh, S7 makes some nice choppers, even though it's more of a tool steel for um, hot forge work. Um, Interesting. Uh, it's got really good um you know what actually works? Okay, so um what the heck is it? DH two. It's hmm. what uh Caterpillar. It's their own proprietary steel. It's what they use for their greater blades. Uh so DH two steel was never really I never really had any experience with it, and because of that, the only the only knowledge I had of it was from used grater blades that people were done with, mm-hmm. and and because of that, it, it had a negative annotation with me. Uh, but I was recently um, commissioned by Finning Cat to create um, some retirement gifts, and they gave me a brand new DH2 grater blade. And, um, all the, all and all the specs with it, I still had to do a bunch of tests on it to get a good heat treat. Uh, but what I found out was that 1950, 1950 degrees, if you water quench it, (laughs)
1: wow, that is really
2: high for a water quench. That is really high and a water quench. And yeah, uh, what's the, uh, do you know what the carbon content is? Uh, Carbon content is about 0. 8, 0. 0.9. But wow. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it hard with anything, nothing.
1: That's what she said. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Neither of us were. <laughs> One of us was going to jump on it. I was restraining myself from the land of tickets.
2: <laughs> um. So, anyways, there, Steve Carell. Uh, <laughs> I found out that a water quench, um, uh, does the trick. It gets it hard. And it, um, doesn't even require tempering, which is crazy.
1: Huh. Yeah. Anyways, that's really interesting for a steel with that high of a carbon content in it, because that's around the eutectoid point.
3: Well, you,
2: you, um, you have to take hardenability into account, right? So I think, yeah, I think they put a ton of manganese in it in yeah. order, in order to reduce its hardenability yeah maybe but anyway, so it would make sense if i if I harden it with water at that high of a heat um and it still doesn't require temper and when I say it doesn't require temper, what I mean is is I took a three sixteenth uh inch thickness and I put it in the vise and I hit it with a three pound sledgehammer like a baseball bat, and it it bounced me back, and there was zero deformation. And it was still as as hard as glass.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because Atlantic 33 is like that, right? Right. Where you can just water quench it and
0: straight up use it. i was been thinking the same thing this whole conversation. and uh, Well, this portion of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. It would be a fun steel to get to play around with.
2: Yeah, so out in the bush, if I'm going to do some heavy chopping, I I really want to make an axe or a, a heavy bladed machete or heavy bladed bush knife out of out of some of that DH2. But if you're talking about typical knife steels for something out in the bush, um, I would I would go with a um, a high alloy tool steel myself. I I know that's a little overkill, um, but I also know that that thing is going to be able to take a beating. I mean. I don't want a blade that never flexes. I want a blade that can flex and come back. Right? So
1: Yeah. So like what are uh, a small selection of some of the ones you've used for knives in the last little bit?
2: Um so I do a lot of pattern welded stuff. So of course use the typical uh fifteen and twenty ten ninety five. I do like ten eighty um and ten eighty four for um uh more than 1095 1095 gives that nice crisp black uh, but the 1084 i just like it's gray it's it's got a
1: nice um contrast um hmm. yeah i use 1084 for my damascus as well 10, oh, can what about having a mix of 1084 and 1095 would you
0: be able to see the difference yeah oh yeah no for sure you could definitely really, eh? out,
2: you, you could definitely pick out the 84 the 84 is a little bit more matte gray Then the 95, the 95 will have like that dark, that, that, um, crisp black, black, black. Yeah. Crisp,
0: crispy black. This is excellent to know, man. I did not know that. Uh, How long have we been doing this, man? And I just learned this now. No one, I don't think anyone's ever touched on that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, No, you can get totally different colors out of different steels when you do uh, a weld up. Now, your 15 and 20 or L6 or whatever it's going to be for your bright. Is typically going to be about the same right but what steel you weld it to can really affect the outcome right like oh one if you use that as a, a layer in it that comes up once again at very dark black whereas you can go all the way down to I, i'll sometimes make damascus with uh mild steel with 1018 and that shows up as kind of like a gunmetal gray sort mm. of I think that's,
0: somebody's told me before about using the mild steel to get a different color, but I didn't realize that the higher, like the higher carbon ones, the small differentiation that you would see it that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not as dramatic as the difference between 1018 and something like 1080, but uh, the difference between something like 1080, 1084 and uh, 1095, it's, it's certainly, it stands out. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool.
2: So we use a lot of uh, D2 here as well. Um, oh, yeah. I'm a fan of my high-speed steel simply because of the uh, the edge they can take. Uh, but I also like refined edges too. I love razor-sharp blades. So uh, my ABLs and Nitro-V, I'm a fan of those. I've recently picked up some, oh, what the heck is it? Crew wear.
1: Crew wear. So we finally've got a super steel guy on. <laughs> have, you, have you guys ever used crew wear or heard of it? No,
2: never it's even heard insane. of it. It's insane, man. So I, um, I picked it up a quarter inch so that I could forge it down and uh, I got it, I got it white hot. I, I looked up the heat treat recipe. You actually have to take it up to 2100 degrees to harden it. Um, so I figured, okay, I can handle the heat for forging. In fact, it likes to be. Was a little on the hotter side, so I I basically turned it white, and I put it under the power hammer, and it was like I was hitting room temperature mild steel.
3: Pretty. Really didn't
1: want to move, eh?
2: It was just insane, and oh. and so I had to take this quarter inch by three inch piece. it was three by three, quarter inch thick, and I had to turn it into a turn it into a bar, three sixteenths uh, of an inch thick. And I tell you that thing took three hours. And I have a forty three kilonewton uh power hammer. Oh
3: yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Tell us about your tools. <laughs> your tools.
1: Your t- uh, 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 tools tools, tools. Yes. yes, tell us all about your tools. Uh. All the tools. So. Sorry, Jesse. Yeah, sh- <laughs> he doesn't yeah, know I shop- said that. <laughs> yeah, he's never heard that before. What's your shop setup like, man? What have, what have I
2: done? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, shop setup. Um I have a three bay shop. Uh
3: Ooh.
2: behind me goes through that door and you there's a three bay shop. Uh one Sick. side. One side is a full carpentry shop as well as all the woods um that are required to do um a lot of the carpentry projects that we do as well as the um all the knife fit ups and whatnot. So um and in then in the last bay, which is separated by a doorway, uh we have another um twelve hundred square foot shop that is dedicated just to the metal. So what? In, in there we, shit in there we have a, a mill a lathe uh three grinders um we have uh three welders um, welding table uh, what are you using for grinders so i have um uh, a vashti grinder yeah that I, that I purchased this last spring i have a good old Wil- wilton square wheel uh, that I purchased from one of the late knife makers, uh, in this area. He was, he was a uh, knife maker for about the last 33 years in this area. He passed away about six years ago and I bought the grinder just shortly after he passed away. I didn't know he had, he had passed away. All I knew was that I found uh, some grinders for sale. And then I have, uh, uh, a grinder from Hardcore Machining. Hmm. Okay. And I mean, these things are, They're Cadillacs, but they're, they're, they're very much purpose built, whereas, um, the, the Vastu grinder, which is, which is based off of, you know, a pretty, pretty generic, um, uh, grinder platform, um, is really meant to be interchanged really quickly. And it's, it's, um, it's kind of the chameleon of, of grinders. Whereas this hardcore, this hardcore machining grinder, is, I mean, it's, it's machined out of billet aluminum. It's anodized. It's, uh, I mean, everything, mm-hmm. is, everything is to within, uh, 5 ten thousandths of an inch, uh, mm-hmm. tolerances. Um, it's no slap it together kind of thing. It's very much, uh, but the thing about the thing that comes with that is the fact that in order to do any kind of tool change on there, you're looking at five, five to 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. even, even, even three to five minutes is a long time. Whereas um, the interchangeable platform that, uh, of the Vashti grinder, uh, it takes 30 seconds to change tools. Wow. So, so the, um, the hardcore machining grinder, I kind of leave to its own dedicated purposes, right? Uh, which is typically the flat platen, but it also, because it has some slack features in the back, um, nice. really allows me to utilize both aspects of the grinder, uh, okay. Whereas the Vashti, uh, I can kind of just interchange into whatever I want. And the Wilton, I, I, I reserve for all my rough work. So I keep a, I keep a, um, 36 grit belt on there and I, it's just my, it just eats steel for me.
0: Beauty, buddy. Mind me yeah. asking, uh, where you, where you get most of your supplies from? Um,
2: so I, I did, which supplies there's quite a bit
0: <laughs> uh, well let's go with your your sanding belts and uh so sanding kind of belts stuff.
2: I get directly from vSM nice yeah, yeah, and we we buy them uh by the box, so um that's uh, we, we uh, yeah. only
0: do we only do maybe two or three purchases a year Okay man, you keep on saying we how many people have we got here how many you, you, it's not just you is it?
2: So there's me and my wife. Okay. And, and, uh, then we have another front of house lady. Um, we have gone through probably three or four different employees in the back. However, because it's such a niche market, it's really hard to retain Yeah, um, anybody who either doesn't want to do it themselves or doesn't want to run away for, um, something that maybe pays a little better. Right. Um, especially, uh, so you got to keep in mind, we're in Fort St. John here uh Fort St. John I mean if you know how to run a shovel you can make 32 bucks an hour so <laughs> I mean you can't compete with that I don't I don't care who you are right I hear you yeah. um we got Sightsee dam going on right now too so there's there's quite a few jobs there's a bit, bit of a swinging door down there um so yeah it's it's kind of hard to retain employees for sure so when I say yeah. we it is because it's me and my wife oh, that's um awesome though dude Oh, no, it's it it is fabulous. It, it comes with its own um, challenges working with your spouse for sure. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, 100 um, percent worth it. Um, and then there's my kids. I have I have four kids and I I told you about my grandfather. We work by the, um, you know, with elbow grease and, and the strength of our back. And I expect the same out of my children. And um, they're going to have part in this business if. If they choose not to do it down the road, that, that's fine. Uh, they are their own people, but up until that point, um, it is a family business. Nice. So they're, they're also part of it. So that also ties into the, the
0: we part of everything. Yeah. Education, dude. No, that's right. And if they, if they
2: decide decide to walk away from in the future, albeit power to them, um, I'll pay for their education, uh, at anywhere else for any other, occupation they want to do uh but up to that point there's not there's nobody i'd i'd rather have yeah, working here with me than my own kids
0: right oh dude i hear that's so dude, uh, the value that they're gaining of being working with their father having them teach having that that true love behind what you're teaching your children versus somebody who doesn't actually like the teachers out there in schools. They they care, but it's not the same as caring about your kid, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a different level of love there, dude. That's a ame- That's an amazing thing that you're doing, dude. It's, I'm, ah, it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah.
2: So, um, so my power hammer back to the last two right. that we haven't got <laughs> to yeah. yet. The right. power hammer is a bechet. Um, it is approximately 80 to 90 years old. Um, the throwing, the throwing weight or the, the drop weight, is um 160 kg oh yeah it's it's, a it's a nice it's a big hammer it'll take so um i get i get most of my tool steels as big blocks so um typically the the blocks i'll cut them i'll cut them down to 20 pound pieces And, um, in one heat, I can get that, that 20 pound piece into a flat bar. You know, I have to cut it a few times along the way, uh, just to fit it back in the forge. But essentially in in one heat, I can turn a three inch piece of tool steel into quarter inch bar stock.
1: Damn, hell yeah. That's, that's a serious power hammer. That's see, that's the true
0: value of power hammers right there, man. Or, or a really heavy duty hydraulic press. Yeah. What? No, can, even a press uh, isn't going to do that, man. Yeah.
2: Oh, no, no you've got to no, be
0: running hundred ton press for that, man. See,
2: see well, you got to, oh, you, you got you to gotta remember, though, um, that the, the true, um, the true benefit of a power hammer is the kinetic force. That's why it's, yes, always, uh, it's
0: putting the measured, heat back into me- it.
2: Measured in Newtons, right? Yeah. So presses will suck your heat out. And I can keep a I can keep a piece lit for at least five minutes on that. Wow. If, if, if I'm going hard, it's turning it's getting hotter with every hit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, okay, the yeah. the science behind it is that if you want to, you can actually heat up a piece of steel simply by hitting it, right? By the yep. kinetic force.
2: Yeah. So that that's definitely the outcome. The science of it is that you're crushing your your uh crushing the crystals and that's an exothermic reaction.
0: Right. Yeah. How what's your background in your science of all of this? Because you seem to have a very good understanding of it. Um it it back
2: to that moment of watching that bolt disappear. I uh I just realized that if that can happen, uh what else don't I know? And then I wanted to know everything. I wanted to
0: consume. <laughs> have you gone uh, to school? Have you taken any courses? Have you studied on any, anybody? Any, taken any like day courses or anything like that? No way.
3: Nope. Nope. YouTube.
2: Um, I started this before YouTube was even existed. really a thing. Yeah.
0: Wow, man. Books. There's no such thing. Oh, lots of books. Lots of books. Okay. What are some? What are some of the books that stand out to you?
2: Um, so one of the first ones, and I think this was more, this is more sentimental than really knowledge based was how to make knives, by Bob Loveless. And mm. since, since then, Bob Loveless has always been my favorite, my favorite knife maker. Let me show you something.
0: Loveless. That's, that's a name that I'm familiar with. Thanks to Mark of the yeah. maker. I don't so, know if you...
2: so this is one of our, uh, Loveless's.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah, that
2: is classic. Yeah. And so, um, I, I personally feel, um, honored every time I get to make one of these simply because of what Bob Lovelace did for the knife community. He was yeah. definitely a pioneer of what we know as the modern knife community, uh, today. And, um, yeah, he was on uh, some of the stories that he, um he told throughout his his career and, and in the documentaries that exist to this day um they still resonate with me and and some of them still guide me even in my even in my business ventures so um that that book how to make knives by bob loveless has always been something that if somebody's going to ask me about a book or literature that's the first thing to come off the top of my head other than that i tried to I try to look at fundamentals and I think this just ties into my personality more than, um, here's how to do something and then repeating the process. I like to actually break it down into, uh, why Oh, one, two still, you know what I mean? Like what makes it yeah. one and what makes it different? Not just that I should use it for this particular, uh, uh, use case scenario, but more or less the uh, chemical breakdown of the steel itself so that I can apply it to whatever situation I want to, you know what I mean? So that's really where, how that ties in.
1: Right on, man. Yeah, no, I, I've uh, also read the, uh, the Loveless book. It was definitely a good read. Yeah. And, and he definitely came up with just some ultra classic knife designs that you will see replicated they're beautiful, just They're everywhere beautiful. today. Really like I think anything. probably the most iconic one is that like double guard fighting knife or double guard Bowie that he did. The, the
2: mm-hmm. subhilt, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, the
2: subhilt fighter, subhilt fighter. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah, one I'm thinking that's, of. That's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So okay, yeah. If the, you draw, guys... the drop
2: point hunter is definitely my favorite though. This,
0: Do you listen? One... Do you listen to podcasts ever, Jesse? Is that any, on your radar at all? Any podcasts? No, no I'm okay. A, I'm not a podcast guy. I I, I really wanna recommend that you should look up the podcast Mark of the Maker. The guys that run that, Sean Kendrick and uh I can't remember the other gentleman's name right now, that's the main guy on there, but they are like they're they're knife enthusiasts, dude. They know like everything about knives and knife history and knife makers and they're just they're they're, they're nerds when it comes to knives, man, big time, but they talk a lot about Bob Loveless and his history on their show. And might be of, of great interest to you to, to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: I'll yeah. oh, check it out. I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm not a podcast kind of guy. Um, I kind of get, I, I find I get lost in my own thoughts more and I'm busy enough with that. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, man. Running uh, a business, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's yeah. something I'll, you know, I'll check it out for sure. I I, I do want to do, I know we, we talked about shoutouts, and this isn't, this isn't like a shout out to any kind of, for any kind of plug or anything, but we talked about Bob Loveless and I feel like maybe not in the same breath, but in the same sentence, somebody else should be mentioned. Um, no even, even if they don't, even if, um, it never, uh, goes anywhere in the sense of anybody who actually knows him. Here's this. Um, I want to, uh, kind of, so the fella that the Wilton square wheel that I bought his, uh, the, the man who owned that, his name was Heinz Lieber. And here in town, um, he's, you know, he's, everybody knows if you own a leber you know what i mean so um but he ended up um passing away and i bought some of his stuff and in the in the mix of it were some of his um designs some of his
3: templates
2: and that was fine enough but as i was going through some of the blade stock he had i came across one of the uh, blanks where he had hand traced out one of these templates onto the, onto the steel itself. And I thought it was be pretty neat as maybe, maybe as like a passing of the torture tribute to go ahead and finish the knife. So I did reach out to his wife and I asked, um, I asked for, uh, permission to actually finish the knife and sh- she gave it and I did so. But, uh, the reason I want to mention this more or less is because the same way that a drop point loveless is very iconic and can be recognized across the room as a bob loveless knife is the same reason that a knife like this if somebody were to oh wow were were Ooh. to see it uh they would see the now this is simply only Lieber Dude,
0: inspired hold hold on a sec i got to get a picture of that
1: This is simply... Lando is literally taking a picture of the freaking computer screen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll I'll post it so that people can see it, right? So um, this is...
2: I, And the reason I wanted to mention this mostly is because I think if anybody can leave a legacy of something that is notably, you know, J.D. Knives... Or, you know, that's an abstract blacksmith piece. I could tell from half a block away. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to go up and see a signature. The piece itself is a signature. And I think for me, even if nobody ever knows my name, I want a notable design or signature to to kind of uh, um, engulf each piece that I make.
1: That's a beautiful... Right on, man. Now... I got some questions, like, on processes stuff for you. Yeah. Um, how much time do you actually spend at the anvil doing cleanup work? Like, how close to finish are you forging?
3: So. Cleanup. Cleanup work is for
2: the hobbyist. And. And the, the reason I say that is because I en- I enjoy it very much. I enjoy the cleanup. I enjoy forging and bevels. I want my I want a piece to be ninety ninety percent finished at the anvil. Um, and I mean to the point where I barely got to touch it with the grinder. I love that personally. And not only that, but if you're if you're smart enough about your heats, um, and you keep your temperature low enough. And then at the last moment, you can actually cold work your steel. Um, you can, you can get, um, a disruption of the dendritic structure of the steel. And when you can actually etch it, and I've done this with ABL as well as D2, which is an air, both are air hardening, um, steels. Um, you can actually get a pattern welded or like a woot structure look to the steel. Um, so. Hmm. So I do like cold working for that, for that one of, that's one of the reasons that I like cold working and, and getting things to a finished, finished product. Not only that, but you, you put a great tensile strength into your steel when you cold work. So I love getting, I love doing it right down to 90, 95% finished at the anvil. Um, saying that you cannot do that and run a business at the same time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you try, I... <laughs> it It is a lot faster to clean up a profile uh and and grind in your bevels and have them turn out right than it is to try and forge in
2: yeah and now i've I've had to do some things because I do uh like the like the one process, but I can't tie into it in order to you know I can't spend twenty hours on a blade um otherwise I'll be making fifty cents an hour right so um i've 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 taken some things into account. Such as the the, the, um, the construction of some of my sand my blades, um, and the, the construction of some of the pattern welded steels in order to, um, uh, take away from the, uh, layering effect of grinding into that and put more of the topographical effect and being able to tie into the, into the, the, um, come in tangent to the planes of the, of the pattern welding. So you get more pattern in your blade rather than. Yeah. Rather than just grinding into a quarter inch thick piece of pattern welded steel only for it to just be a bunch of lines across your bevel um, so it's it's kind of uh, one of those things where you just got to play with it and, uh, and and learn how to do it but so so yeah, that basi- figuring out That's basically to say that I want to do everything out to the anvil but I can't but I still want the effects of doing it so there are things that I've been able to employ in order to, to get the effect of one.
1: No, that absolutely makes sense, especially when you're trying to do production work. Like forging to finish is not the quickest and most efficient way to actually produce a knife.
2: Absolutely not. And, uh, right. the, the only thing it will do is allow you to, um, utilize your material effect, uh, economically. And, um, then, then you start getting into trade off of how much material did you save? uh monetarily speaking as to how much time it took you and how faster you could have had it done and made made that money in just you know cleaning up a profile on your dog.
1: Yeah. When you do forge at the anvil, what kind of hammer do you use? What's the go-to hammer? This is uh, one of the questions I love to ask. So uh
2: I have three that I that I go through. Um and same as the steel question. I think everything for its own use. I think if anybody of ever course. sticks sticks to one one hammer, which not a lot of people do, but people tend to, especially with these um, uh, with these custom forged hammers, it's kind of like they get that one hammer and then and that's all they use for the rest of their life, right? <laughs>
3: um,
2: I but I I personally have I have the three pound um, uh, rounding hammer, and then I have uh, a two pound uh, cross peen, and then I have a pound and a half or sorry, it's a pound. It's, it's between a pound and a pound and a half. It's, um, and it's, it's Swedish made. It's probably my favorite hammer. Uh, it's, it's very light, but it, it'll move material like nobody's business. Um, and I think as you get older, you start realizing that it's not how big of a hammer, it's how well you use the hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can probably move more material with that pound in a quarter pound and a half hammer than I can with the three pounds sloppily hit right now. Um, so I use that pound and a half for my plenishing uh, as well as any kind of fine work, which um, I find I, I do more of than anything. So, I, Yeah. I, it makes sense, man. I have the three hammers that I use that I cycle
1: through. Yeah. I mean, you're probably like all of us where you've got a rack full of hammers and You've got your certain ones that you use most of the time. Yeah. And then every once in a while, you'll need a situation. It's like, oh, time to pull out the diagonal peen. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, it is normal. Okay, I wasn't too sure. Maybe I thought it was just being a hoarder or something.
2: So one of those, well, it's better to have it not need it than need it and not have it,
3: right? Yeah. Hells yes.
2: So, so one of the hammers that doesn't get pulled out very often, but is, is the, uh, all right, time to pull out Bertha kind of moments is the 12 pound that I've cut down to be a one-handed hammer. Holy and shit. That I try not to use as, uh, but every now and then it's got to come out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got an eight that's the same way. And uh, I basically, if I need something bigger than the eight, I'll go and I'll just grab one of the long handled sledges and swing it with one hand. Yeah, I've got an eight. I can't imagine a 12, dude. Holy shit. Oh, uh, uh, dude, I've got a 20 pound sledgehammer. You can swing it with one hand.
2: Well, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, uh, could, you could swing it. How many times is the question? <laughs>
1: and how hard can yeah. you swing it? Oh, at that point... I can swing it pretty hard, but it's one of those ones where it's like, you just need to flatten something.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. You hear that. Crazy. Um, Hey, do you
0: ever use uh, linseed oil in your shop, bud? Yellow. If you uh, haven't heard of detour Linseed Oil before, man, my man, you need to go and check out... Twiller linseed oil. It is by far my favorite and amongst many others, a very favorite in the crowd. And it's growing, man. This guy's doing good things. He's out of Saskatchewan. He grows the flax. He processes the flax. And then he sells that oil. And you can get yourself a discount if you spend $50 or more. Use the code FORGECHAT10 on checkout. You'll save yourself ten percent
1: on orders of fifty dollars or more. So, so dope. is this is
2: this food safe oil? Can I season my frying pans with it? You, mm, you
0: can. Yes, you can. Is this yes? Because he doesn't use the Japan dryer in his boiled in seed oil. I, I'm I'm almost one hundred percent certain about this. That you can use his stuff for food. Grade material.
2: So, do you guys oh, know cool. why why boiled linseed oil is the go to for blacksmithing blackening? No, enlighten me. It's got a very high flash point and a great polymerization. Okay. this is this is why blacksmiths use it's cheap blackening <laughs> tools. Well, it, it's it's flash point more than anything, or it's smoke point. Yes, which, it. which is also why it's great for cast iron fine pens. Which is why I would use it
0: let's ex- let's talk about that a little bit. What do you mean exactly when you say it's its flash point so why
2: every every oil has differing uh smoke points or flash points, and those have uh an intersecting curve along with their polymerization so in in the case of cast iron fire fans, we utilize polymerization in order to make a non stick coating um, mm-hmm.
1: it was all- quote unquote seasoning
2: <laughs> yes. Correct, correct. And that's what turns a cast iron firing pan black. Um, so the higher this, the smoke point, the better polymerization you're going to get out of the oil. Whereas oils with a lower smoke point or flash point, uh, will not, will, they will burn off before they get a chance to polymerize properly.
1: Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, there is the differentiation, like a, it is really quite like it sounds. Smoke point is when the oil starts to smoke. Flash point is the temperature at which it will immediately ignite. Yes. Yeah. So avocado. Just oil. for anybody who was unsure,
2: <laughs> avocado oil is actually one of the highest smoke point oils out there.
1: Avocado oil, interesting. But it
0: but it's very expensive. So oh, I heard God, that that so expensive. If you take a Chevy Avalanche and you crossbreed it with a Chevy Colorado. You end up with a avocado,
1: a Chevy avocado, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm, 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 I'm silent, you- I'm silent laughing. <laughs> it's like it's so cheesy. It's not worth a full like outburst laugh, but it's it's so cheesy. It's it's worth like a, I just lost my breath. Laugh. Oh.
0: We
3: call yeah, this.
0: Yeah, we call those time jokes. Laugh when you have time. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh, man. Chevy avocado.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a dad joke and a half.
0: Yep. Oh, nailed it. Yes. Uh hey. Yeah. Um oh. This has been a really great conversation that I was not expecting to be nearly as amazing as it is. I got to say, Jesse, man, like you're a dude of a dude, man. Like I, if more men could be like you, the world would be a better place, man. I don't uh, know. Maybe not. But like, I don't know you that, that well. Right. But what uh, I've gotten to know of you, shit, yeah.
2: You can't, you, you know, I'll have to give uh uh my wife a name as to who to blame as to why I couldn't fit my head through the door. You better, you better not talk like that. There might feed my ego too much. (laughs) Not my fault. It's not my fault. (laughs) No, it's good. Uh, uh, yeah, no, this is, this is good, man. This is
0: fun. You got, um, is there anybody local to you that's, done any work with you coming to you for courses and stuff? You got kids coming to you for that kind of stuff or maybe not necessarily kids, but is that something that you offer as well? We, we don't, but we,
2: we have been wanting to for the last, uh, last couple of years. I think it's just because of the scope of where we are and where we're planning on going. Insurance is a real thing for us. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So going through the proper channels is posing more hurdles than we have um, we have time to kind of really deal with. Our, our, our books are quite full at the time, at the moment. So um, it does take uh, quite the doing in order to accomplish anything that's outside of just the day-to-day stuff. So at some point we will get courses on the go. Actually, this year we plan on being very um, – uh, purposeful about it or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very we're going... Deliberate. Through... Deliberate. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to be very deliberate about making sure it happens this year.
0: That's awesome. man! Yeah. Did you guys hear my dog
1: going nuts in the background at all? Or... Yes. I can't absolutely. it's driving me nuts,
2: <laughs>
1: okay, hold on. I'm sorry, you, you guys you know I'll, what
2: man? you know what? I love it. I love it it's because it's it's family, it's home life, it's the real deal. you know what I mean yeah, so yeah it's, it's we got
0: a new dog, and he's turning out to be a pretty cool dog he's yeah. He's a bit much,
1: but he's, he's he's cool. Well, I'm glad he is turning out to be a cool dog. I know you had your apprehensions about getting another dog. Yeah, I sure well, did, man.
2: It's all good, man. I'm telling you, if it was any earlier, my kids would be running around in the back of the shop here. But uh, my wife picked them up just actually as uh, as you started up the video. So
0: nice. Oh, yeah. Well, wow, this worked out really good, man. I'm freaking pumped, man. I, I was down in the dumps about the fact that um where, where things went with 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 tonight, and then it just picked back up, and I was just and I'm, I'm stoked, dude. I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling good. Tomorrow's going to be a good day. Good. Right. Some of, the,
2: some of the best advice I heard though is, uh, uh, this too shall pass. Uh, yes. If you're feeling good, it's going to pass. If you're feeling yes. down in the dumps, it'll pass. Everything right? is temporary. Um, what is that? Uh, Gandhi, I think he said, uh, can you fix it? Can you fix it? I'm asking you. Can oh. you fix it, mm. Lando? It's yes or no. Can you fix it? I don't know. No, no? I don't. Uh, okay. Why worry? Why worry about it? Or can you fix it? Yes. Why worry about it?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. <laughs>
2: I don't. I don't know mm. if it was Gandhi that said that. Don't quote me on that.
1: That's one of those ones where it's like you know. People misquote people on the internet all the time. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly.
0: laughs> Yeah. Oh, beauty. Uh, I, I'm wondering if there's anything else that we need to touch on here to kind of uh, close up the conversation and I don't know man. I, I
2: the only thing I could think of is earlier on in the conversation, you did bring something up that I think we kind of skipped over and I don't, I think it's something that's, um, that's real and that mm-hmm. shouldn't be skipped over. And I think, uh, far too often is, is you, you brought up mental health uh, and we didn't, we didn't really talk about it. We just
0: kind of, we just kind of moved a, along. I had a funny feeling that you were coming back to that. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <Shit. laughs> <laughs> Ah, yeah you know mental health hey what can you do this is uh crazy times it's a crazy world talk to people get some help i don't know man i feel like sometimes talking to people
1: doesn't just makes it worse dude, what I'm going through right now, I really need you to not say that. <laughs> no,
0: it's, that's my personal <laughs> issue. Everyone's different, man. I've you been through uh, situations yeah. where talking to people has helped, but
2: I yeah. see, I have, I have a pretty well-founded theory on all that. Um, back in, the, like we've replaced, we've replaced our elders and our loved ones with counselors and therapists and uh, the friend who we haven't talked to for three months, but all of a sudden we're dumping our woes on them. Uh, we've replaced those who are close to us. And I mean, for me, uh, it was a it was a lady very close to me. Her name was Mona um, or it was my grandmother or it was even my mother or somebody who um, knew me well. And I had no problem with just being real, you know what I mean? I had no problem with just saying, Listen, man, things are not good. This sucks. And uh sometimes they told me, you know what? This too shall pass. Suck it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? It and it's like it's like no problem, man. Like I appreciate you not I appreciate you not enabling me to feel sorry for myself and giving me the encouragement, just all it needs right now is just to weather the storm. You know what I mean? Or there was times where I got the answers to my problems where it was like, um, you know, you're going to feel you're going to feel crappy. Your heart's broken. Like you need to um, you need to like we forgot we've forgotten how to
0: mourn. You know what I mean? Yes, I I fully agree. And that's that goes right into direct uh, direct context to the fact that remember how Nick was just saying that I didn't want to get another dog. Is I believe there's there's a mourning process that you should go through. Hundred percent. Hundred percent.
2: You have to mourn. There's a there's a time to mourn, there's a time to celebrate. You know what I mean? But there's gotta be that time where you gotta go, okay, I'm done mourning. It's time to shake it off. Yeah. It's time to get up on my feet, and it's time to live life. Um so I think I think in mental health specifically, we've really forgotten that there's a season to everything. And and that we need to we need to keep the counsel of our elders close to us. You know what I mean? Like those see, are I have in our lives. I have an I have
0: a, a I have an issue with that personally. Is um, my I, the people that I used to gravitate towards for conversations like that have uh, unfortunately passed. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother in Edmonton she's actually even before she passed it was like good 5 years that her her mental health deteriorated that we couldn't have conversations like we had before um and my father-in-law when he passed away that was that was a key outlet of my uh of great conversations deep conversations that lot, that I lost my whole life like my dad took off when i was 5 years old and kind of my family got into these weird fucked up battles as to, you know, mom wanted to make sure that we were taken care of and then dad playing weird political bullshit games and, you know, trying to deal deal with, uh, what's that not, possession. Um,
1: Custody
0: custody thank you very much and it just through through this huge rigmarole into the family and to be honest my my mom's not a a deep talker you get into conversation with her and she wants to talk to you about how she went out for coffee with her friends and stuff like that she does she doesn't want to talk about deep things you try to get into conversation with her about that and she just instantly changes track into something else and my dad was just He's not there, dude, to be honest. And when he is there, it's it's rare. It's good when he is, but it's very rare. My grandpa's mental health has gone to the point where he's like, he's kind of hard to talk to too. And even before he was hard to talk to, he was hard to talk to because he was just, he said it in an old school way. And a lot of the things he just, he didn't want to really, you could tell he didn't want to listen. He was like, no, you just, you just need to do this, and you'll be okay and it's like no it's not the way it works anymore grandpa the world is not like that anymore it doesn't work like that anymore. you can't just go get a uni- university degree and you'll be a, you'll be okay it's not like that anymore right and uh you know i've i've looked I've looked at that a lot as to like the scope of of people I have in my life elders per se people that i can i can go-to for these deep conversations and it's it's few and far between i'm very is this why you're
1: always messaging me on facebook lando Uh,
0: possibly you're you're a deep thinker i know you are i'm actually really enjoying jesse too for his his deep thoughts and his insights to things man like and i was gonna say this is one of the things that i really enjoy about the podcast is the majority of the time, the people that come on this podcast are deep thinkers. It's one of the things I like about the blacksmith community is it's almost like in order to be a blacksmith or a tinkerer of things within the shop, you have to be a deep thinker. It's it's like they go hand in hand almost. Uh, you, I, I,
1: I, I,
2: I, think, I think you become a deep thinker because of it, because you end up stuck with the thoughts in your head.
1: mm. Well, I think another thing on top of that is that if you are a mechanically inclined person of any stripe, you're constantly trying to understand things. Yes. Typically, not just an object, but a process. Yep. So if you've got the mind to try and understand processes, you are going to at least somewhat naturally become more inclined to think about, you know. Things in complex ways. Your yeah, fucking poor mind, dude. I just understood I you so much more all of a sudden. Man. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I think my, in the absence. My, of you elders- guys want to talk about mental health?
1: I'm
2: broken. <laughs> oh man, you know we say that with smiles on our face, but really, you know it's it's a it's a real it's a real deal. And I you know I think in the absence of elders, and that's nothing new because I mean, our those who came before us are going to leave before us? So at some point. We're going to be, we're going to be stuck with kind of dealing with these things and and trying to figure them out on our own. Um, and you know, like you, you said your, your father, you know, left and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be too quick to jump in a boat or anything, but you know, my, my, my dad wasn't around either. You know, he, he, you know, he left another way though, the way that we don't get to see him again. Um. And probably around the same age. And so there was a lot of stuff that I kind of had to figure out on, on my own. And that really ties into, um, you know, going back to having to make mistakes and be okay with making mistakes mm-hmm. and not feel like a failure and still be able to pull yourself up and, uh, you know, keep trucking and, and go not so much like, I think the biggest thing is, um, First of all, like keeping and in, taking into account the family systems in this country and most, in most North America, family systems are broken. Yeah. Um, we used to have to rely on each other for our food and water. You know what I mean? Right. And whenever survival is on the table and you have to lean on each other,
3: mm-hmm. uh, those, those,
2: those relationships and bonds really get strengthened to the point where they're, they're unbreakable.
0: So um, much agree with that, dude.
2: Um, and that, that yeah. isn't really, today that isn't around because we don't have to rely on anybody to uh, get water from the creek or make sure that the wood is cut for the year or make sure that our livestock are well fed or we don't have to rely on each other for survival we just go to the grocery store and you know pick up what we need and and say the heck with everybody else um, and so and, and I mean obviously there's there's much more to it than that but But because of the way that our society is structured these days, um, the family system is broken and without family, we're really, we're screwed. Um, it seems like, it seems like we're,
0: we're forgetting until it's too late and then we remember we need each other and then it's like, oh shit, I'm alone.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, but. But all, all that, all that being said, even even in a good, well-rounded, family-based society, um, we're still at some point left with ourselves. You know what I mean? Like we don't have those elders to lean on. And I think really what it 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 it, it all boils down to having beneficial adversaries, because that's what our family is. Our, our families are beneficial adversaries. They're somebody mm-hmm. like you, you. We hear it all the time. You can pick and choose your friends but you're stuck with your family, right? Right. It's like, it's like, because your family can tell you, they can call you out. They can tell you the way it is. They could hurt your feelings and you can't, you you can't walk away. You're, you're kind of stuck with that. And you either need to capitulate and, and call that the truth, or you need to fight back. And in the end you end up getting, it's, it's like, it's like a piece of glass dropped on the beach. You know what I mean? And what happens is turmoil, waves, sand, pelting, battering comes around back and forth, back and forth. Before you know it, all the sharp edges are, are worn off of that glass and it can't cut you anymore. Um, Family is very much the same way, but if it, if we know that that's the mechanism to have some sort of um, uh, close proximity to whatever it is that, again, that sand glass that can't cut, that was a broken bottle six months prior that would slice you to ribbons, now now can't harm you. Um, it's the same mechanism that say, like, like uh, Nick said, you know, this is why you're messaging me. You know, you've built a confidant in your, in your friend here. And um, I think that's what really what's required. So the mechanism that was always built into family life. Now we have to, we have to kind of synthesize with the people around us. Yeah. Yep. And I I'd... think that, t- that ties in your mental health is one being real and being unoffendable. You have to be real. You have to be unoffendable. You have to be, you know, like a friend. A friend isn't the one who pats you on the back and tells you everything's going to be okay. A friend Mm -hmm. is the one who tells you to smarten up, gives you a cuff upside the head, and is there for you through the thick and the thin of it.
1: Right. Yeah. Talk shit. And this Lando is why I give you so much shit about not making knives.
0: Talk talk shit about you to your face, but says nice things about you behind your back, right?
2: Right. We've lost that. We really have. We've lost that, you know. Yeah. Um. In, in in a generalized sense. So. Um, Do you ever get the to...
0: feeling when somebody nowadays, when somebody's talking, like they're oh yeah, talking you up to your face? It's like, why you are you fucking me? trying to? You're trying to bullshit me, man. Like, what the fuck? What for?
2: Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's uh. Yeah, no, I think when we, when we're talking about mental health, we just we just got to be a bit more real with ourselves and uh be be a little bit more put ourselves out there and get ready to get hurt, man. Just get ready to get hurt. Yeah. Because because you got to be vulnerable in order to build confidence.
0: I think I honestly I I gravitate so much towards this the instinct of survival and needing survival in your life and without that need to survive, that you almost lose the sense of being without that, especially in a family sense, right? Without needing to lean on each other for for well-being, for survival. you lo- You start to lose that, and then you start to dive into, you know, self-identity and needing to worry about who you are. And this is actually something that... I almost made a post about it on Facebook today. Nick was probably like, "Where's, where's, where's the hot take, Lando? Where's it yeah, been?" Yeah, where's
1: Lando's, where's Lando's weekly hot take? I haven't seen it I think, in a couple of days. I'll tell you, he, here it is, man.
0: Me, 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 my, my, my. It's all about fucking me nowadays. Everybody's so fucking worried about who they are and what they want and what they need, and it's they're not worried about what. What their neighbors need, what their friends need, what their their group needs. No one's playing as a team anymore. As a team, so much more can be accomplished versus individualism. And we're just we're so stuck in this like what I want versus
1: what my what my community needs. But, and but see, it, Nick's political hot take: capitalism will do that help
2: but but see that's that's the self-fulfilling and and self-destructive prophecy because the more that people want to focus on themselves they also want to project themselves as somebody who's got it all together and then you see these instagram posts where everything's perfect and really on the other side of the phone everything's in shambles
0: and because nobody they're they're
2: they're they're never going to be able to get the help they need because they're not being real with anybody
0: I really hope that nobody thinks that that's me, man. I'm fucking, my life's in fucking shambles, motherfuckers. <laughs>
3: Land,
0: like, you think you you think bad. you're bad. No, it's not that bad, dude. I've, I, it's, it's okay ish. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll say that much. I'm doing okay ish.
2: Well, I, I'll tell you right now, I, I got a good life, man. I, I, I got kids who love me. My wife loves me. We fight. Uh, you know, we have our hard times today was no, not, not a good day, but my life is good, man. I'm, I'm happy. I would, my best day, uh, living this life that I am with, with being able to just be honest with myself is, is better than my worst day than trying to kid myself. So I, I, I'll say that. And that's, that's not a bregatory it's, but when it's bad, I'm going to say it's bad too. You know, I'm going to just be honest. Well, that's best the health for everybody.
0: I hope that was deep, dude, that was really fucking deep, damn, oh
2: man, yep that, hear that, that old, man. that's all I had you 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 said there might not be anything else. I said, no oh, way. we skipped over something, and I think it was important <laughs> we went back to it yeah, well, and Nick, I hope things get better for you, man. I uh, weather the storm oh. or 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 seek a life seek seek a life uh um Life raft, but but either way, you know, there's there's always a tomorrow.
1: Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know. There's enough. I suppose there's enough people who know about this. Might as well just say it. I'm heading to the Funny Farm at the beginning of February for a short stint. So, uh, I don't know. we'll see how that works out. Uh oh, man, I think about you every day, dude. I really do. I appreciate it, Lando. <sighs> you know. What I I am I'm at a point where I think it's like hmm time to talk to the professionals. Yeah. Well (sighs) But I think maybe that's something that hopefully just by being open about about it you can sort of like destigmatize a little bit. You know, like for me, you know, I'm a veteran, I've got PTSD, life has not been fucking easy, and uh of late, my mental health has suffered enough that it's like, okay, time to go get some serious help.
2: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they can help you navigate. For you know, they a lot of them have enough experience of uh, you know sitting on the other side of it. But uh, I, I would, yeah, I would encourage you not to forget to reach out those who have uh, uh, you know had had experience in it.
1: Yeah. Now, fortunately, the place I'm going is a, it's a veteran specific thing. Yeah. Uh, it's all veterans and first responders. The staff there's yeah. all like people who have got experience with that kind of stuff. So,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Good hands, man. Hey, you know, it's, it's,
2: uh, it is what it is and, uh, you're, you're dealing with it. And, you know,
0: that's too, the part this, of it that I look at. Is... I, I look at it like, you know what, man, he's, He's on the right path because he's not just, like, throwing up his arms being like, I can't do this. No, you're freaking, you're you're taking it on. You're grabbing the horse by the reins and you're doing what you need to do, man. And and I'm a lot more hopeful for that. Gotta do something. Yeah. I remember a point in my life, man, where, you know, I threw my arms up and I was like, there's nothing I can do. Because I just, I didn't know there was certain things available to me, man, right? And I, I remember. Eventually, I talked to a psychologist at one point. That he, he changed my life, man. He made me realize that a lot of the thoughts in my head aren't necessarily wrong thoughts, and that I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily crazy, and that I'm looking at the. No, world it's not that you're the-
1: crazy. It's about trying to find a new context to look at those thoughts. in. I guess so.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I've. Head.
0: You're already ahead of the game, Nick.
1: <laughs>
0: that's what that's what I say, man. I, I think I think you got a good head on your shoulders, Nick. And I'm uh, very, like I said, my debatable. <laughs> it's it's obvious in your work, dude, man. Like you're you you're a fucking smart dude, man. It's fucking so obvious. You. And then you talk to you about the shit that you know about when you start diving into heat treating. Talk about some history it, stuff. And it's just like. Yeah, I'm, a,
1: I'm an obsessive learner. I know that. You know, like I, I'm a knowledge sponge. I'm that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. I'm just, like I said, I'm hoping that this, uh, this little stint helps and uh, maybe get me back to something that resembles a little more functional. Right.
0: Oh, I think. Uh, I think only good things can come from it, man. And on that bombshell. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, we We got. We got weird there, eh? Yeah. Uh, hey, I wanted to ask,
2: man. It's real.
0: Never got to yeah. ask you. You got to ask about his hammers. What, what do you have for anvils, dude? Tell me oh.
1: about your anvils. I was waiting when that question was going to come up.
2: So, I have a 650 pound Swedish made. uh,
0: Whoa! Fuck. (laughs) Holy shit. Where'd you find that? uh,
2: From a fella who
0: brought it over
2: from um, Switzerland.
0: Wow. Dude,
2: Uh, that is. You got some serious gear. No kidding. So,. uh sweet yeah, it's uh Swedish made six hundred and fifty pound uh farriers anvil. And so the farrier's anvil just means it has a it has a uh farriers shelf
1: on it. Great. Yeah.
2: Um but other than that, yeah. And uh you can move steel pretty fast with that thing.
0: That's a um, a fully cast steel anvil then, not a forged face? Yeah, full cast steel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so what are you what yeah. kind of forge are you running? Where you're like forging massive, like 20 pound blocks of tool steel and forging under this massive hammer and at this massive anvil. Like, you were what not, is I mean, what?
2: So, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. I okay, so I do make my own forges. Um, I have a two burner and I have used um KS4V on the floor. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with KS4V the refractory. Nope but it's a it's an alkali refractory that is um so you can you can do your flexing right on the floor and it'll it'll take forever to eat through um
1: <sighs> oh yeah no it, it's great stuff Dude. okay, so you say two burner like you're running a venturi forge yeah venturi holy cow, what diameter are your venturi burners and
2: and I'm running it on about five pounds. Like everybody talks about, okay, let's talk about ribbon burners. Cause I'm, I've had just <laughs> about enough of this ribbon burner crap. <laughs> ribbon burners are, ribbon burners are wonderful. They are great. I love them. Let's get that out of the way. Okay. Everybody starts talking about two, two pounds per square inch and three pounds per square inch for ribbon burners. I don't want to hear pounds per square inch ever again. Let's start talking about CFM. Yes, is, sir the size of those orifices on the ribbon burners are pumping out so much cubic feet per minute of propane that two pounds per square inch don't mean jack squat. I am pumping out five PSI at minimal CFM. CFM is the measurement you want, not PSI. The only reason you're getting a hot, a hot um, flame with the ribbon burners because you're, you have an oxidizing flame where the Venturi burner, you can, you can dial it in. I have, I have, I've widened a pipe so that I actually can do forced air on my Venturi. Nice. I'm still, I'm still only pumping per square inch. I've, I've coated the inside of my forge with, um, ITC 100, which has a 5000 degree temperature rating. And I've melted through it because I've walked away for 10 minutes too long. I forgot. Oh, about, whoopsie. I forgot about the blower. You know what I mean? Um, and I was busy doing something else. Came back. There was a hole burnt right through my forge. So, I mean, the heat, the heat alone is only because of the forced air. Now, whenever you have forced air, you have an oxidizing atmosphere. I don't care care how good you – oh, I'm going to dial it in. No, it's forced air. It has to be forced air. Otherwise, it'll just – it won't pump out any heat whatsoever. So – Not technically true. I mean, mean, you can't put your hand in there, but you're not going to cook a piece of steel in there either.
1: Yeah, you can – Tune the environment in a a, uh, a ribbon burner forced air forge
3: to I'm, be no, reducing.
2: And, and I, okay, I'm happy to be proven wrong. But the only way it's actually reducing is if you stop introducing air. When
3: well, I, it's
1: about got, it's about the air fuel ratio. Yeah. You need to have a basically a situation where you have got enough fuel that the oxygen you're blowing in is being consumed and you have fuel left over. Correct. Right? No, so you absolutely. can actually kind of visually manage that with your dragon's breath.
2: Yes, you can. However, my point is is in order to dial that ratio in, your your burner essentially becomes inefficient. Because now you're That's, gonna have to I
0: agree with that you're, for sure. You're gonna, you're gonna have to either yes. choke,
2: out, choke out your air to such a degree where your CFM is still kicking up a, a crazy amount, or you're gonna to have to dial up your propane in order to have enough CFM and have CFM a
0: crazy amount of CFM, and that's exactly what I've dealt with yeah. in in my yeah. burner man. Yeah. Outdo your air. So
2: I mean, um, it. Of course, you can tune it. You can tune anything you want. My my argument isn't whether or not you can tune it. My argument is the efficiency
1: rating, right? Oh, it is. It is much easier to get a. Venturi burner forge running at a neutral or reducing atmosphere. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I actually have a dial on my, uh, on my Venturi intake. Yeah. yeah. So are you, you running the, uh, the Gamaco style burners or? I don't know. I, I built them. I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. Gamaco style. Um, but you can actually take your Venturi intake. You can run that pipe four feet long if you want. It's going to suck the same amount of air. Because all it's doing is, is, um, taking advantage of a low pressure system that's created by the size of your orifice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So whatever size of your orifice is, that's your high pressure. So whatever pressure you get out of your orifice, your PSI plus your orifice is, is going to create in, in, uh, relation to it, a low pressure system. And that low pressure system is what introduces air to the air fuel mixture. So you can take that low pressure system. Yes. Out. And you can run it four feet away if you want. In fact, I have. And on that four foot tube, you can put a you can put a needle valve. And on that needle valve, you could put a you could put a blower. So you could dial in that needle valve with no blower on it, and and tune your tune your atmosphere. But in addition, you could put forced air onto
3: it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's yeah. on, my first forge was a venturi burner. <clears throat> I rebuilt it. The venturi burner wasn't burning properly. I could not tune it worth a damn. We added a blower to it. Boom! It started running absolutely amazing at that point.
1: Yeah. But yeah, see, orifice size definitely makes a big difference when you're running venturi burners to be getting them to run efficiently. Orifice
0: size also comes into play with a lot of other things too. So, ayo. <laughs>
2: So I don't know if I don't know if you um, if you have too large of an orifice size, go to liquid propane, and you'll get about an eight hundred percent increase in your BTUs. Oh
0: wow! Yep. What do you mean liquid propane versus?
2: Okay, so liquid propane essentially is just a valve that has a, a straw that goes down to the bottom of the tank. Right. And and so the pressure that's created by the room temperature. Forces the liquid through. Liquid up.
0: Is it, isn't that normally how a propane tank no. works?
2: No. Oh, really? Propane vaporizes.
1: Yeah. That's, Pro, that's, the that's propane doesn't naturally stay at a gas at atmospheric pressure. Or say as a you, liquid.
0: Sorry. Isn't it, doesn't it a, nor, a normal propane tank have the hose that goes down to the bottom of it inside? No. Nope. Not to the bottom, but it goes down a bunch. Like, you could eight inches at least i don't know i've taken propane tanks apart before and they all have a straw that goes down inside of them
2: so that's usually the float that's the safety mechanism
0: okay
3: um yeah
1: what's ended up happening is as you create empty space in the tank by letting some of the uh, propane out it allows for the remaining propane to reduce in density and form more gas you're reducing the pressure hence the Yes. Is boiling, yes. Boiling. That that is is yep. yes. But, yeah, yeah so, um. That's why I pass
2: I that's why anything below minus 40, because propane doesn't like to vaporize below minus 40, or I think. But that's why you have tank freeze ups and it won't, yep. it won't vaporize anymore. So you need, but anyways, yeah, you could use liquid propane tanks and you get way more, Way more BTUs out of it. Way any,
0: more BTUs out of it. For anybody that's not living in Canada that might be listening to this, one of the things that we deal with on a regular basis is if you decide that you want to try to run your barbecue in the wintertime and it's really freaking cold out, your barbecue ain't going to work so well. Yeah.
2: I've, I've gotten a few of those, uh, um, bottle heaters, the blanket, plug in blanket. Yep that are specifically meant for propane tanks. They don't, they don't work in the coldest of weather. They just, they're like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. But, uh, fun fact
1: though. It's, it's it, like it, laughs in Canadian. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: and like it. Um, I am working on a ribbon burner. That is a Venturi.
0: Oh, cool. I, I've heard of it before. I've heard of it before. Yeah. It's not, it's out there. I've seen it. Yep.
2: No, mm. it exists. Uh, it's taken quite a bit of, uh, R&D to, uh, a lot of mis- that's a fancy way of saying I've messed up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's exactly what R&D is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's maximizing your fuck around and find out ratio.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, no, dialing it in and, uh, nice little pencil flames and, uh, it gets super hot. That's, that's super awesome, dude but yeah so the 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 forge that I'm running is uh so I have one that's a double burner and uh it's got kale wool um and then it has um what the heck is it um inside the kale wool is a preformed um what's
1: that what's like, like a castable
2: well yeah but what's the castable name there the good one the uh it's got little aluminum silica beads in there. Uh, anyways, it's really good. Uh, really
1: good. Castellite?
2: Yeah, castellite. Thank you very much. Uh, so castellite, it's got a preformed castellite an inch thick and then inside that it has another preform of KS4V and that's the alkali refractory. And, um, I have to dial that down significantly to under two pounds, uh, PSI when that gets up to heat because that thing, it'll melt steel like it's nothing. Um, but I don't actually use that one. Okay. I use a luminous silica brick, uh, one burner coming in from the side that circulates up on a 45 degree, creates a swirl inside there. And I do 99% of my forging out of that thing. And it's, it's the size of the brick, nine and a half. A one
1: burner brick, brick forge. Four and a half, <laughs> four and a
2: half by, by nine and a half. Um, yeah. and so as I forge these large pieces, I'll just forge, um, the front of it and then cut it off. And then just, it's almost like I should do a time-lapse once where I just kind of like, as I pull the piece out of the, you know what I mean? It's just kind of gets longer and longer, almost like okay. the endless, the endless
1: bag. Yeah. So that's, that's essentially what <laughs> oh, that would is. be comical. That would be comical.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So no, as I, as I forge it out. I'll forge out what fits in the um what fits in the forge and uh cut it off as i go
3: right on man are you on instagram dude yes
0: under j d knives
3: i think so
2: i'm not a yeah I was just media. looking at it I'm not a social media guy i think. <coughs> I think my last post on Instagram was like a year ago or something hmm. same with yeah j d dives and custom works yeah same with facebook i don't i don't uh we we were pretty active when it all started um but recently uh well not recently, but lately honestly we we can't advertise um because we wouldn't be able to fulfill. You can't advertise and say, hey, do you feel like waiting for two years for a nice?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so,
0: so, okay. This is kind yeah, of Yeah, you get to a point
1: where uh, uh, you don't really need to.
0: This is something that I'm kind of dealing with a little bit with my wife that I'm trying to explain to her because she's bugging me that... If I want to do this full time, if I'm interested in going full time with this, that she would prefer to see me at a point where I'm so busy that I I have no choice but to go full time. And it's like, well, Stacy, in all honesty, I believe I probably could get there very quickly if I put in the footwork for my marketing. I I personally believe that if I put the right efforts towards my marketing – that i would have orders coming in like crazy but if i if I, I and it would be it would be um it would be a cumulative effort you know as i put in more effort to my marketing and produce more items and get known more the more business starts to roll in the more effort goes into marketing the better pieces that go out and it just it gets better and better and better and grows and grows and grows and grows But there's there's a point in that in all that growth where it's like you get to a point where you're so busy and you have to give up your day job. But at the same time, you're getting so busy, you're also forgetting about your family. And that's one of the things that I'm really worried about right now, because I've got a single we've only got one child. She has nobody to hang out with if it's not with dad or mom. And if I'm so, my wife already runs her own business. If I get to a point where I'm so busy that that's all I'm doing is working. And I'm like, Oh man, I got to give up the day job. I know at that point, my kid's going to be like, where's dad? What's going on? Um, this is always a touchy subject because
2: everybody parents differently. Um, but if, if, I would say that there's, there's, there's two really two situations that, that could, that I would see. This is my perspective. Um, one, either my child learns that, uh, you know, that they're well-educated on why dad isn't there. Um, and not, not in so much the sense of, I'm not there because I'm putting food in your mouth and I am making sure you have a roof over your head and stuff like that. But really that, they get to see you as, as a hero in a in a sense. There are many ways we could be heroes, but, but one of them is to fully understand the sacrifice, um, mm. that's required for a father to, um, or, or a mother to, to be able to provide. My mom was a single mom of four boys. She worked three jobs.
0: Good for her, dude.
2: Um, I mean, power to her. And, Amazing. uh, for me that's that's always been an inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not home it it's definitely it's definitely bad it's of detriment if if I never talk to my kids, if I'm never real with them. Listen, dad's not home because he's working and I'm working I'm working for you. You know, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to make a life um for you kids. And um you know to, to to get them to be a part of that which they are um help someone to understand that and and two it, it also enables me to spend some time with my children as well in, in the work environment in my shop in our shop and yeah. again you ask yeah. why do you say we why do you say we it's because me my family right yeah buddy like, no it's so i think when respect. it comes. Kind of st- to I think it comes time for you to put the, put the time and the, and the hard work in, it. and it is hard. It's hard work, man. And I know, you know, mm-hmm. that. I know, you know that, um, okay. but it, it's, it's, there's going to be the transition is the worst part because you go from a day job and then all of a sudden I would, I would recommend you build up at least $50,000 worth of savings before you even think about transitioning to go full time. You know what I mean? Because you're going to go full time and then you're going to be you're going to be spending your time switching between 20 hats um, and nothing's getting done. And you're not pumping out any knives because you're busy marketing. And then if you're not marketing, you can't get the orders to sell the knives. And now all of a sudden you're marketing and making knives or blacksmithing and then.
0: So I'm kind of looking at it in an aspect like the same thing, the idea of building up $50,000 in savings. But instead of $50,000 in savings, I'm thinking I need to bring myself to having $50,000 in inventory. I want to have myself ready to freaking pull the plug and be like on my day job. If if I get to that point, I really don't want to because I do like my day job. But if it ever gets to that point where I'm like, yes, I'm ready, it's going to be because – I've got enough inventory that if I stop now and and sales are good, it's just it's going to be just keep on adding to that inventory. It's always going to be a it's going to be a revolving door type thing. It's not
1: going to be a panic
3: yeah. situation. But there is going to be
1: that the pillow too, right? Yeah, you got to be careful with the idea of building up a bunch of inventory. Uh, I am very glad that you said that the sale the, if the sales are there for it. Right. It's like, you could go and build up however much inventory you want. If it ain't moving, you ain't making a living. And, and that's a and, bunch of, of, of material investment into something, well, and, right?
2: And to come in beside that, just to, just to say that a lack of sales is not, is not indicative of a lack of talent. Oh, not at all. There's, there's, peop- there's people who, I mean, their skills blow me away. And I'm going, I'm going, why aren't you booked for the next five years? You know what I mean? Right. Like the stuff you're putting out is just insane. Well, and I think that's the marketing. Why are you selling a knife on Facebook right now? Like there's with this kind of quality, there's no, there's no reason that you should be peddling your stuff like a, like an average store clerk. You know what I mean? Um. So talent is, is not, or um lack of sales is not indicative of talent. Or lack mm-hmm. of talent. And if that's the case, then that kind of takes away the the case that you can make as to rely on assets for income.
0: And what you said there of sales aren't indicative of your talent. It goes vice versa, too. You could be fucking the most almost talented list MO out there.
2: you could going to be almost the tal- most talented young. Oh, uh, no, I won't. Okay.
0: Yeah. But you no, know, there's guys out there that are literally making blah and they're busy as heck. Yeah. It's because they know how to market themselves, right? Yeah. So, no, it's, uh, this has been a great conversation and I really appreciate all the, uh, the time that you've given us tonight, Jesse. We've kind of been jumping all over here and we're kind of, we're getting to a point here where it's like, okay, it's been rambling. I think it's time to. I I
1: love our rambling format. That's
2: good. You, good.
0: I think I think there's a lot of good life lessons that can come out of today's today's chat, man. Like I, I think that there this was deep, dude. I appreciated this conversation a lot. It was well needed, actually. So thank good. you, Jesse. Uh,
2: hey, thank you guys.
0: Uh, and again, if you want to find Jesse, that's Jesse Lambert on Facebook. You can find him as JD Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram, jdcustomknives.ca. Um, and oh. Nick for Bray, he's Old Soldier Toolworks on Instagram, and myself, yep. Abstract Blacksmith, on the Instagram and the Facebook. And what is Jesse? You were just grabbing something there from the looks of it. What do you got to show us, buddy?
2: Hey, can they see our faces?
0: No. Well, I can do No, take, we just can, do audio, but I can oh, take okay, a picture goodness. though and add uh, that to the uh no, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, don't do it. Okay. Um
2: yeah. I do okay. You said shout outs. If there is one uh that I would like to talk about, it's a local company here in town. Uh okay. he's a great he's a great fella and he's got a great product. And when at any time uh some some white chick Walks up to me with a pumpkin spice latte in her hand and starts telling me about essential oils. I just tune out. I'm done.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Essential oils slash snake oil,
1: whatever. I'm curious to see where this is going. Uh, what's up? What's happening here?
2: So this guy, this guy walks into me and, or walks into the shop here and he says, I came here because I, I want to uh what the heck did he say? Like masculine this product that I have because it, it has a stigma to be very much in the, the the um feminine feminine realm of of you know just by the nature of these products. So he showed it to me mm-hmm. and I went, Oh man, you got your pump spice latte out in the truck, don't you? Right? Because sure enough what he gives me is he gives me this cream that's based with essential oils. Uh but it it soon caught my um attention because he he never really it it didn't have all the, the buzzwords of the essential oil world. None of the woo. Yeah, and, and really it, it had like some real foundational um knowledge uh behind it, even though it did contain it did kind of dance around in that realm of the essential oil kind of buzz. But there was more to it. There was more substance to it. Anyways, this company is called Can Have Today, or Can Have Today. That's three words. Um, and uh, it's a it's a skin cream, and he's got four different products. Uh, but what sold me and what turned me away from calling it snake oil was I said, okay, you know what? He gave us some free samples. I said, okay, my daughter's going through some issues with, with, with her skin. She has um, a problem with eczema. There's eczema in, in my family. Um, and there's psoriasis in her mother's history, family history. So she was dealing with, um, it all up and down, uh, her arm really badly to the point where she was scratching it raw. And throughout the years, um, we had tried everything, everything. And I mean, nothing was working, nothing ever worked. And we're probably battling with for the last five years. Anyway, so when this guy was talking, what caught my eye or what caught my ear, rather, sorry, was he's talking about the one product that deals with dry skin and eczema. I said, OK, I'll give it on my try but we're, or try on my daughter. If it works on my daughter, you know, then then that's another story. I tried it. We put it on her for three days. Um, it stung a little bit on the first couple of rounds, but she had she had scratched it raw and the stuff uh, it it fixed it my after five years of battling with this and trying everything known to man after three days, um, it was completely cleared up. And, wow. Uh, and wow. we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it back since. So Crazy. that's, that's what made a believer out of me. And if he can make a believer out of me, I mean, I tell you what, so this company is called can have today. And I think you can look it on can have today. Dot CA. I want to say. And, um, <laughs> If there's anybody who deserves an endorsement, um, it would it would be him for sure, because he's he's put in that that hard work we were talking about. That's Uh, right
0: on. That's the kind of love I like to hear about, man. Right there. True, true, genuine care for somebody that's done a good thing in this world. Man, that's that's a that's an excellent shout out. I love it, man.
2: Yeah, he's got four different products. So go check them out.
0: Sweet, man. Awesome. Uh, I didn't ask you this at the beginning of the show, but you know who Bob and Doug McKenzie are, dude? (laughs) I laugh in Canadian. Give me a good old. (laughs) Give me a Karukaku, buddy.
2: Oh, man. I don't. Okay. Okay. I know who they are. And I've watched them, but I don't think I'm as familiar as them uh, with with them as, as you are. And because of that, I may butcher the Kaku. Now, okay, I,
3: well, tell you I what, know,
2: I know as much as to call you a hoser, and uh, you know, say I'm Canadian eh? and and they have voiceovered every single moose in every cartoon ever.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. T- yeah. If I, if I lead it, do you think you can follow? Okay, you teach me. You teach okay. me.
2: Don't don't lead me. You gotta teach me. And then uh and then and then I'll 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 make an attempt after.
0: Here's here's the book, okay. This is the Bible. Let's see, where is it here? Let's uh do 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 page. Da, da, da.
2: Come on, where is it? Oh, I think my memory banks just kicked in. At, 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 at the end of their show
0: at, at the at, at the, the beginning up, and the end
2: yeah yeah i re- i remember the end but i, I all remember.
3: right let's
2: do
3: it <laughs> Good day. <laughs>
1: good day
3: Hi, everybody.
1: Thanks for joining us. Good day. Love you. <laughs>
0: Ozer. Well, that was about all we got today for you there, folks. That was uh, Jesse Lambert. And what an awesome gentleman. He jumped into the seat with us. Real, real last minute there, man. And uh, dude... What an interesting gentleman. I I can't say enough good things about that guy. That was an excellent chat. Got deep there a little bit. And uh, you know what? You need to get yourself some oil. Go check out thetwellerlinseed.com. The toolerlinseed is grown, produced, and sold right out of Saskatchewan. And uh, our man Dawson can hook you up. If you order $50 or more and use the code FORGECHAT10, you'll save yourself 10%. On that order, get some flax wax, get some linshield, get some double-boiled linseed oil. That stuff is, they got the cold-pressed, they got the paint now that he's working on. Guy knows what's up, man. Check it out. That was thetwillerlinseed.com. Have yourself a good day, eh? Ya yeah, hoser. Hoserette. Hos- hoseries, Hosers. hoseries. Hoserets, hosers. Goodbye. Okay,